Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Logan Bailey. Welcome to the NW Sports Podcast Football Edition, brought to you by our primary sponsor, Three Chord. I'm your host, Logan Bailey, and joined today by Keith Brown, Tony Fairchild, and AJ Fairchild joins us once again. So uh, thanks again for coming on the show, guys. Absolutely. No, yep. no problem. Well, week 10 is here, and uh, it's it's make or break for a lot of teams, and uh, playoff football is literally right around the corner. So uh, a lot of big games this week and a lot of games that could decide whether teams uh, get in or out of uh, playoffs and some even for conference championships. So uh, thoughts going into this week? Yeah, it's – well, number one, this first week myself has pants on and, <laughs> and, yeah. and our, our back window that's usually light, I assume, is dark now. So right. – Throughout the season, you see short, short, shorts, t-shirts, t-shirts, and now hoodies, jackets, <laughs> pants. So, uh, but yeah, there's a couple good games this week that uh, have playoff implications. So, um, we'll, we'll talk about those later. But yeah, it's uh, going to be week ten, and we'll see what happens on Saturday, Sunday when the playoff uh, pitchers release. So, looking looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's, like you said, a couple of big games. Uh, and the one we've, we talked about week one, or actually the preseason game we talked about, uh, you know, the Antwerp-Edgerton game. Um, that's going to be a big game this weekend. And like you guys said, there's other ones that are going to – teams that make a break to get in or get or they're going to go home. So are we sitting at home watching um, playoff, first week of playoffs? So. Yep. AJ, you have any comments? No, just I'm ready to see how uh – the season ends up here with, you know, like, like you guys said, a lot of teams are kind of riding that bubble right now, kind of uh, decide their own fate. So we'll see who pulls through and who doesn't. And what ends up happening? Because I know some of the regions are pretty tight right now as far they as are. points. So and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. But it's going to make for some interesting uh, fighting here at the end. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Let's uh, kick it off and look how we did for last week's picks. Um, Keith and AJ tied last week with a 16 and four record, but, uh, Keith still leads the year and he's still in first place with 140 and 38 record. And, uh, AJ is right behind him in second, uh, just one, uh, win shy of Keith. So, uh, he's right on, <laughs> on Keith's tail there. Uh, tied for third is Tony and myself. And last place is Bryce with 128 and 50 record. And, uh, I would, Tony and I's record is 139, 35 or try to see here. Oh Yeah. 132 and 46. So that's our record. Um, anyhow, um, I don't know. I still got to decide if we're, we should do something for the winner at, after all this is done, but we'll probably pick into the playoffs a little bit too. So, um, oh, geez. <laughs> More games for me to lose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's still probably a lot of teams and a lot of games we can pick. So, yeah, at least for the first couple weeks. I yep, suppose. yep. So. All right, let's go ahead. Let's look at Week 9 game recaps, and uh, we'll start it off with the NW Sports Game of the Week from Week 9 is Wauseon at Archbold, and uh, Archbold ended up winning that game 20-12, to 12, and uh, I feel like that game was a tale of uh, two types of offenses, really. I mean, you have Archbold who just ran the rock and controlled the clock the whole game long, and uh, Wauseon has their passing offense there, and uh, I mean, you look at time of possession from that game, and Archibald had the ball for 32 minutes and 8 seconds compared to Wauseon's 13 minutes and 21 seconds, and uh, it's definitely hard for Wauseon's high-powered passing offense to get going when you don't have the ball on offense, and Keith and I have talked about that throughout yep. the year, how that's a, that's a big stat that really pays dividends, and uh, a lot of the times, the team that does control the ball for more of the game, they're the ones that come up uh, with a win in the win column, so... Um, just looking at a couple other things from that game, Archibald had 342 total yards of offense compared to Wauseon's 80 total yards, which, 
I, I think that's crazy that Wasion had 12 points with that type of <laughs> offense. But, uh, again, that's, that's crazy to look at. And, again, I think just what a great scheme going into that game because if you look at Wasion um, – to hold the ball away from them that long, that's that's just an excellent scheme because you know they have that potential to score a lot of points with those great wide receivers, the great quarterback play, and push the ball downfield. But, uh, I mean, to go in that, that game, Coach Dominic, excellent job, and uh, they pulled out a big win. So uh, thoughts on this game, guys? I mean, we talk about it, the – you know, sometimes keep the offense off the field as your as your best defense. And Archibald did a great job of that, keeping them sidelined. And and you know, like you said, if you if they're not on the field, they can't catch passes. So. Right. And two big stats that really kind of determine how a game's going to turn out are going to be the third down conversions and time of possession. Yep. Those are like the two, uh, and then you know turnover rates. The, those kind of factor in too. But uh, between those three stats, you can pretty much decide the game's outcome just by looking at those stats. Yeah. So, yeah, to see to see uh, Wasion had 12 points and with only 80 total yards, it's like, how does that even happen? <laughs> yeah, and Wasion had three turnovers here is what it had listed, and you talked about third down conversions. One of 10 from third down, that's 10%. So, I mean, just just like you were talking about, yep. AJ. Yeah. Keith? Yeah, we tried to track this on our game updates throughout the night, and, like, we were surprised Wasion got up to a 12 nothing lead, actually, I think midway through the second quarter. And then uh, Dominic took over and scored three uh, rushing touchdowns. But, yeah, we were kind of shocked at that initially when we saw Wasson up seven – or it was an odd score, three-nothing, five-nothing, and then 12-nothing. Um, so, but it was uh, – yeah, you keep the offense off the field. I mean, in the high school era, I mean, it's – control the ball for 32 minutes. I mean, that's – Right. <laughs> And then Wasian, you know, their 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 passing games, kind of like the old Houston Oilers back in the day, back in my day, the old original run and shoot. <laughs> like they had the same problem. They had high powered offenses, but everybody always devised a defense to keep them off the field. So um, if if the offense isn't on the field, they can't score points. And this is uh, pretty much what happened here. It looks like. Yeah, and Keith, you mentioned his name too a little bit just a little bit ago. Uh, Carson Dominic, he absolutely went off. Um, 32 carries, 158 rushing yards. He was averaging 4.9 yards a carry and three rushing touchdowns. He also had an interception on defense. So uh, get the ball, 32 carries in a game. That's a lot for a high school running oh, back. That's a yeah, lot. Uh, they they had trust and faith in Dominic, and he just handled his business and uh, just tore the Wasi on defense apart. I mean, yep. they just couldn't stop him. And uh, I mean, if you're averaging 4.9 yards a carry. That's pretty efficient there, and uh, that's, again, that's hard to stop. And he, he's just a tank. And I, I believe I was watching uh, the interview at the end of the game, and, uh, well, Miles Holiday was interviewing him and kept on calling him, I think, like the tank or something the, like that. Yeah, I, I mean, think he called him the diesel. The diesel, yes. yeah. I mean, he really is. I mean, he just runs kids over, and he does a fantastic job at it, and that's why he's been so successful the last few oh. years in high school. Uh, another key athlete that stood out to me was Cade Brenner, quarterback of Archbold. And we kind of talked about him early on yep. in the season and uh, kind of didn't talk about him too much during the middle part. But he, another efficient game from him, 14 of 22, 64%, 178 passing yards. And uh, though he didn't have any passing touchdowns, I didn't see listed for the stats. He still, he managed the game. He did enough to push the ball downfield on the offense. And then that's what you need out of a quarterback. When you know your rushing attack's going to be there, you can rely on that. That's what you need out of a quarterback and that type of offense. Someone that can control the game. You can control the tempo. Um, go out there and you can just rely on him. And uh, Cade Brenner did a nice job of that. And then uh, another big point, too, on the other side of things, you know, 
it was another week, and I, I was really impressed with linebacker Austin Kovar, and he showed us what he's made of. He's had a couple of really good weeks of good performances, and he's consistently come out to play his best week after week. And, uh, again, on the defense, he led the Indians with 15 tackles and three tackles for loss. So, uh, again, a big factor on that Wauseon defense. But at the end of the day, just couldn't stop Dominic's uh, – it's just phenomenal running attack. So, I mean, if you're getting five yards of carry, just like you said, give, give him the rock. Yeah, I mean, that's all you got to do. Keep going, man. <laughs> See if they can stop you. This game that's had good. to been under two hours, too, I would think. <laughs> yeah, it, was probably, yeah. probably, it was probably out there by 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, that, you would think. And that kind of makes me think, Tony, is uh, what's the old phrase? Don't fix it if it's not broke. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Keep <laughs> handing that ball off for five yards of carry, five yards of carry. Might as well keep going with yeah. it. I mean, it's working for you. Might as well stay with it. So. Yep. That was a nice job, uh, again, by Archibald pulling out that big win against a good Wauseon team. You know, and especially especially being down 12, you know, 12 nothing to, to stick to running the ball. And right, not, yeah, not that's another thing. And not panic and get into, like, okay, we need to score some points. And, you know, it doesn't – I don't know if Dominic broke off any big run, big runs, but it doesn't, I don't think for anything for a touchdown, right? Yeah. They, no, they were, were all, all under, they were all under three yards, I yeah, think. Yeah, three, three and so. two. Yeah, and, I, I, again – um, kudos to Archbold and, and the Blue Streaks to, and pulling out that game. Uh, you know, Wasteon a week ago, uh, they had a nail-biter win against Delta, but they just couldn't get, get it done this week. Yeah. So um, if you're Wasteon, you got to go ahead and move on and uh, start gearing towards playoffs. So that, that's right around the corner. Right on. Let's look at the next game here. Uh, and this one was a shocker, and it kind of shocked us. And But we've, we've talked about it, and we'll get into it here shortly. I'll announce it. It's Ayersville at Wayne Trace, and Wayne Trace pulled out the win 28-26, but – We've said it time and time again, playing at Wayne Trace, and A.J. made that point. There's the, the Wayne Trace curse. <laughs> and uh, Wayne Trace is definitely better than what their record shows, and we've, we've said that. And yep. we said all year long, if, if Wayne Trace could get a little bit of offense going to their, their good defense, they, they could be something this year. And that we saw that. And essentially, I mean, that game eliminated Ayersville from a share of the GMC title because, yep. I mean, if Edgerton went out this week and beat Antwerp, it would have gave – would have gave them a shot at it, but uh, no more. And uh, one thing with this game, it was tied up all uh, at 14 at half, halftime, which, uh, again, th- this game was neck and neck, tooth and nail all the way through. And I think, like we said, too, with the offense, um, the Raiders had 277 passing yards and 370 total yards for the game and only had one turnover, which I feel like the turnover is the most impressive stat because we've seen time and time again Wayne Trace turn the ball over, turn the ball over. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to win games when you turn the ball over. you got to possess that ball. you got to treat it like it's gold. Yeah. It's like all the coaches and everyone always says, treat that ball, <laughs> treat the football <laughs> like it's gold. And uh, quarterback Kyle Stoller did a really nice job. He went out there. He had those 277 passing yards, put together three passing touchdowns, and he only had one interception. So very nice performance from him. And they went out there, the offense performed, and gave Wayne Trace a chance to win. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this game? Kind of a yeah, shocker. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, uh, after, you know, Tenora played Wayne Trace, they won. Ayersville plays Tenora. Ayersville wins. Kind of thought, you know, Ayersville would come out and take care of business this week. I, I was shocked to see the score of that when uh, you guys had texted that. I was like, wow, really? Wayne Trace ended up pulling it out, huh? But, you know, good for Wayne Trace. Like We've said that, like you mentioned. You know, if they can just cover up some of the errors they've been making, they're they're a solid team. Yep. So uh, to see them finally pull something out against a good team like Ayersville, that's awesome. Yeah, I think, it's, like you said, we were giving up based on our game. It's just expected to see Ayersville take a lead, take a lead, pull away, pull away, tight at 14 at the half. I think Ayersville scored 
to start the third quarter. So you thought, well, they're going to pull away, pull away. No, Wayne Trace comes back, scores, takes a lead. Um, and it came down to conversions. Uh, Wayne Trace was able to kick the conversion and Ayersville, um, I think uh, Coach Mickey just goes for two uh, all the time. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And this, and this night it didn't work for him. So that's, that, was the, uh, that was the end story, I guess, where Wayne Trace made their conversions, and no, Pilots did not. So, Yeah, there was a time, I believe it was in the first quarter, Wayne Trace had the ball on the 10-yard line, um, couldn't convert. And, um, you know, so, you know, if you got the ball on Wayne Trace's 10-yard line, you're in field goal range. I mean, yeah, for, for most people, and, um, you know, and you can't kick there, that's an opportunity you could have put some points on the board maybe. And um, But, yeah, I mean, it just uh, – like Angie kind of joked about the Wayne Trace curse, and Wayne Trace has been been there. And I think one of the hot takes we had earlier a few weeks ago was about Wayne Trace shocking somebody. Well, yeah, I guess they shocked Ayersville. Yeah, I would say so because I mean, none of us had Wayne Trace yeah. that game, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, and that just goes to show too how I feel like at times undervalued special teams are in yes. Northwest Ohio, and, yeah. and we've seen yeah. it a lot. Um, even look at the Van Wert Wapakoneta game yeah, just early in the season. Yeah, was that block kicks. Yeah, blo- tons of block kicks. Mm-hmm. I feel like this year we've seen special teams needed more than we ever have mm-hmm. as far as uh, big field goals or just even making your simple getting a punt off, stuff yep. like that. I mean, that those sometimes are the game changers when you look at it in the overall grand scheme of yep. things. Um, but looking at this game too, uh, Kyle Stoller had a very good performance, but he couldn't have done it without that O-line and his receivers. You know, he's got Tucker Antome, Grace Price, Jude Stoller, Dylan Hildebrand, Derek Dangler. Um, all had receptions in that game and helped contribute, and uh, that, that passing offense tore Ayersville apart a little bit. Yep. Uh, you look at the flip side of things, and you look at Ayersville in that game, and the only thing that they could really get going was their running back, Owen Burner. Uh, Burner had 22 carries for 138 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, and um, we know firsthand after broadcasting to Norwood games all season that if, if you're a one-dimensional team in a game, that makes you very vulnerable. Um, I'm not saying that, generally speaking, Ayersville is a one-dimensional offense, but you have to establish that passing attack to keep Wayne Trace on their right. toes and from loading the box because – uh, just a few weeks ago, obviously, we broadcast the Sonora games, and we saw Wayne Trace defense, and they would put 9, 10, 11 yeah. guys in the box, yep. and they would have guys right down at the line of scrimmage. And we've seen that even from balling from Tenor. But, again, you got to have – even if you like to run the ball, you still got to have the passing attack yep. to keep them honest. And I think at the end of the day, when you just can't get that going and the defense can and dial in and really focus on that running attack, it makes it hard to put points um, and win a game. So well, just kind of going through the, the play-by-play here, uh, looks like on the last drive by, by Wayne Trace, they got the ball back with just – right at six minutes left in the game and, and ran the clock out. Um, that's that's pretty impressive um, to, to, to control the last six minutes of the game and not give the ball back to Ayersville and give them a chance. But it does look like um, on a fourth and five, Ayersville jumped off sides, which gave them a first down. Um, but, yeah, just, to, again, just to, they just kind of kept pounding the ball and getting the first down, first down, first down. Ran six minutes off the last six minutes of the game off the clock, and that, that's give everyone another shot. That's totally demoralizing. <laughs> if, if you know that you can possess the ball for six minutes a time, and there's nothing you can do to stop that, that just that's yeah. I mean, Ayersville had timeouts. I mean, yeah. they, they called their two. They had, looks like they called two timeouts during the drive and just could not get off the field. 
Yeah, and part of me almost wonders if this game with Ayersville, I mean, they played a really tough Antwerp team the week before, had a tough yeah. loss at home. You know, there's a lot of hype around that game. I wonder if they almost kind of just let that carry over to this game. You know, you're kind of looking past. I feel like I'm not saying if they were or weren't, but I feel like you're in that situation. You take a loss. You're almost kind of looking past a Wayne Trace at this point just because of the. you look at the record. Oh, it's Wayne right. Trace, just Wayne Trace. Well, yeah. Wayne Trace <laughs> came out, and then they showed that they're still a, a decent ball club, and uh, I think they, they showed Ayersville, and they definitely shocked all of us here. So yeah. right. uh, let's look at the next game here. Ottawa Glandorf at Defiance, and Defiance ended up winning that one 22-14. And this actually, this win marks the first year Defiance has had a winning season record since 2013. And uh, again, looking at this game, we talked about during the year that OG has been a team that they hang around and they can compete with some of the better teams in the area, but they just can't get it done at the end of the day. And OG is a well-coached team. They're led by head coach Ken Schreiner. Um they just haven't been able to get over that hump and into the win column during multiple games. And we kind of talked about it off air here that OG's got one of the tougher strength of schedules in the state and as far as Division Five, yep. So um, they, their schedule's no joke. But at the end of the day, you got to get wins, and, and that's the tough part. That's why you go out and play football. You go to play and, and get those wins. So you look at Defiance and – it's just amazing to see the turnaround, I feel like, of the program. It's been a long nine years since Defiance High School players, you look at coaches and fans, have seen a winning record out of that yeah. program. Uh, I just can't can't imagine how awesome that is to be involved with that program at this point in time. So uh, thoughts about this game, uh, Ottawa Glendorf at Defiance. It sets up a sets up a pretty good uh, showdown for this week here to see what what happens with uh, defiance because they're kind of right on the cusp if they win this week they could end up hosting a playoff game be pretty close if they uh, lose they could be talking about them being out of the playoffs so defiance kind of controls their destiny here this week uh so sets up a really good good showdown for for yeah. week 10 i think they play wapakoneta too so yeah. it's uh, gonna be it's just almost a you know pre playoff game honestly for really, for, yeah. for defiance so um yeah defiance not i don't think they must win but uh, it would definitely help them out if they did win uh but yeah that's uh this game right here yeah defiance did all their scoring in the first half and just you know second half control the ball enough to pull out a victory and i'm sure coach cooper has probably sweated out <laughs> until the last seconds too but yeah it's, it's great to see defiance uh finally having a uh, program that everybody can talk about not just in defiance but you know we talk about them every week here so yeah um just something to be proud of for the community and uh, even ex-players like you like you said logan I, and too i give so much credit to head coach travis cooper and his staff yep. for getting those players to buy into him and the vision where he really wants to see defiance football to right. go in, in the years to come and uh he's just done a tremendous job over there yeah it's a you know it's like you said it's been a long time and it's got to be exciting inside the school right now to Hey, look at us! We 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 put together a winning record, and, and we're going to go to the playoffs. Hopefully, um, you know, I'm just kind of looking at the numbers there. It's it's going to be close. I mean, if if they if they lose, it, it could be close whether they yeah, make it or right may now, even make it in yeah, the playoffs. Right or not. now, but, they're one eleven, so they got. I mean, got I, a little bit of room to wiggle, but it depends yeah. on what some of those teams blow. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's do. what I was looking at. I was like, oh, but yeah, you know, just happy for Defiance to to get back on that you know, in the building of the program and getting on that positive side of things. And hopefully yeah. this is just the first year of many to come. Yeah. And it's not even so much just in the high school that, that you know, the excitement's built. The whole community has been 
you know, getting more and more excited as the season's going on. And now you're you're looking at first time in the playoffs for a long time. What is it? I don't remember how many years they. It's been since they've been, been a while. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like the the entire community are are back behind these guys again. So it's just curious awesome. how much how much are you guys here net in the offices? You know, as you guys work during the day, you know, I've therapy. Been and hearing <laughs> quite a bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was gonna say too. I, I think too. Like it, it's just awesome to see. I think. You hear fans, I'm going to the game Friday. I'm going to the game Friday. You know, in years past, you may not have heard that as much. People would rather sit at home. And, I mean, that's, that's something, too. Winning winning brings crowds. And right. uh, they're getting the fans. Like AJ said, they're they're backing behind their team. And that's just awesome to see. Yeah. yeah and it builds more momentum. The more fans you have, the harder you play. And it just keeps building on itself. So it's awesome to see uh, Coach Cooper getting getting things on track there. Then also, as far as this game goes, um, Brogan Castillo, running back from Defiance, had a monster game. Again, 22 carries, 100 rushing yards, 32 receiving yards, along with a rushing touchdown and two receiving touchdowns. And him and Craig Nichols uh, have both been a staple on that offense all year long. And Nichols added in another 91 rushing yards and 12 carries. And, and they, again, we've, we've mentioned it in the past that they've got to be one of the better one-two punches in the area as far as running backs. Um, and and they've, they've came out each week and, and – they produce, and that's what you need out of those guys. And another point I wanted to make out is, too, there's a couple guys that we really haven't talked about this season for Defiance, and that would be wide receiver defensive back Brian Phillips. Uh, he had three receptions for 18 yards this game and is actually leading the team in receptions and receiving yards this year. He's got 43 receptions, 485 receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. And really, I mean, that's what you want out of your senior wide receiver. You want a guy that's going to go out there and he's produce, and he's going to show those younger guys on the team what it's like to play that position and, you know, like breaking hard out of your routes, blocking downfield on run plays, running off your defensive back so other guys can yep. get open. And that, that's really what you want to see out of those guys like that too. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple other guys here that I think that haven't got maybe as much publicity as some of the other players, and that's uh, senior Gavin Miller, uh, tight end defensive lineman. And I looked, I was looking at their stats too, and uh, just look, reading some different articles. And for a guy that is 6'1", 186, he's definitely making some noise. He's got 37 tackles on the year and is leading the team in TFLs with uh, 10 and a half. And he's got eight sacks on the year. So, wow. I mean, he's not all that big of a body being 6'1", 186 pounds, but he's definitely going out there and he's being a menace on the defensive yeah. line. So, uh, I think too, it just goes to show that some of these guys have been in the program for a while and have just busting their behinds to to make a change and. You look at the captains of Defiance, you look at Gavino Gomez, Christian Camaso, and Gavin Miller, and uh, they go out there and give it their all for the program and, and on the field during Friday nights, and you can really see yep. that. Yep. Actually, Logan, when you were talking about Brian Phillips and uh, everything he did and just look in, with his numbers, like the first thing I thought about was Cole. Uh, yeah. Christian's, com, or Christian's brother Cole Camaso last year was pretty much – what Brian is doing this year, yep. you know, go out there, lead by example, give 110% on the field, and yep. his stats are almost close to identical to what Cole had last yeah, year. Yeah, they are. So, That's a good comparison. Yep. Um, again, we can't give Defiance enough credit, and uh, we hope to see them continue to do well and uh, make a little playoff run. Yep. So let's look at the next game here. Uh, through this one in here for the game recaps, Patrick Henry, 40. Uh, and they were at Delta, and Delta had eight points that game. So Patrick Henry came out victorious, which I looked at that score, and I was very shocked to see what we've seen out of Delta this year. And we've seen Delta compete with a lot of teams, and they almost had a win against Wauseon just a couple of weeks ago. 
But you look at that game, and Patrick Henry jumped out to a 27 to nothing halftime lead. And to be at halftime and you've almost got a running clock against a, a good quality opponent like Delta, that's that's saying a lot from the Patriots. And, uh, um, again, I, I just couldn't believe it. We were there at halftime on Tenor Rams Live, and I was looking at the scores, and Keith was announcing them. I was like, man, oh, man, I can't believe what I'm seeing. I didn't think it was right at first. But you go back and you look at it, and uh, – if you had to sum up the game in two words, Nash Meyer and that man went off. He's been – we haven't really talked much about him no, not the last, last few couple weeks, weeks right? but 24-28, 86% completion percentage, 324 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 42 rushing yards with two rushing touchdowns, and he even had a two-yard touchdown reception from Gavin Jackson. That all equaling six touchdowns and one in each stat category, which is just <laughs> phenomenal. So – what are your guys' thoughts on this game here? Uh, I think uh, Patrick Henry and Coach I just uh, with that three-game losing streak with his Brian Wasyan and Liberty Center just unleashed a tiger. I think they were just. <laughs> I would say just, so. Uh, here we go, guys. This yeah. is this is you know make or break for playoffs, and you know just came out with the just jumped on the Delta, and never never looked back. So yeah, Nash Meyer, we like like you said, Logan, we haven't mentioned them for a couple of weeks, but up until then, like he was one of our, our highlighted athletes and uh, for, for the award every week. But yeah, it's good to see PH back on the, the, the winning wagon there. And maybe, uh, maybe he was listening to our podcast and, <laughs> and thought he had to go out and make a statement <laughs> he, to get his name did. back out there. Yeah, Definitely made a splash. He, uh, like he said, I mean, it's, they said it perfectly. I mean, PH just looked like they came out with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder and decided, Hey, if uh, we're going to, we're going to make a, make a run here. We, we, we're going to have to do it today. And uh, Delta just happened to be the team that was in the way. And like you said, and then Nash Meyer just went off. Like, you know, basically put the team on his back and said, let's rock yeah. um, with those kind of stats. So it's um, it's good to see PH come back, get a win. Uh, unfortunate for Delta. And, and Delta's still kind of hanging on by a thread to make the playoffs here. So. And that's something, too. I mean, I know we mentioned Patrick Henry's offense, but, again, they held Delta to eight points, and they really shut down Delta's strong rushing attack, and they held Jeremiah Wolford, running back from Delta, to 42 rushing yards and 10 carries. And he's been another guy that's been a dominant force and one of the better running backs in the area, and the, and the Patrick Henry defense shut him down. So an excellent yeah. job over there from, from the defensive staff at uh, Patrick Henry. Yeah. Let's move on to the next game here. A couple more games. Edgerton at Tenora. Uh, Tenora ended up winning that one 31-6, and this was another shocker for us. And uh, going into that game, I was very excited to see the matchup of Edgerton's offense and the stud and quarterback Corey Everett's versus Tenora's tenacious defense at full strength. Um, and it's safe to say that Tenora's defense at full strength prevailed. And after watching that game, I tell you what, um, I, if I'm a high seed in the playoffs, I do not want to play the Tenor Rams right now, especially with what we saw out of their offense Friday night in, in addition to their defense. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this game here? Well, I tell you what, it's, uh, you know, we, we talked about it last week and, and I got a couple high fives because I was the only one on the staff here that picked, picked, the, <laughs> picked the Rams. But, um, you know, they did exactly what they needed to do. They kept Corey Everett's contained. It didn't let him run off and go crazy. And, um, and I have to agree with you. Um, 100%, Logan, with the with what we saw, more, I'm more impressed with the Rams' offense. But, I mean, defense, they, they've been that way, right? When they're at full strength, they're they're probably one of the best in the area. Um, but, man, the offense and um, 
the change in the play calling that they just kind of started throwing the ball around a little bit, getting out in space, letting yeah. their you know letting their runners run, and um, and Sonora's kind of multi dimensional now, which is different for Sonora, <laughs> and it looked really good last night or uh, Friday night. So it's uh it'll be interesting to see what Sonora does, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks here in the playoffs. Yeah, I. <laughs> This was probably one of those scores that was announced around the area at halftime and, at, and towards the end, and people are just, what? Yeah. But, I mean, Sonora, give give the, the coaching staff credit. They just came out, like similar to PH, they just came out, and I don't think Edgerton really was in the game. No, like they no. Like from the first snap, there was the defense just was pressure and Everett's. Um, Really, the only meaningful drive they had was, I think, in the late third quarter. Yeah. yeah. And that was in the entire game. Like, Tenora just controlled the entire game offensively yeah. and defensively. Um, yeah, Javen Gaines tearing it up Javen, in the middle. Javen Gaines and uh, Carter Gilliam again. I give mm-hmm. that poor kid a shout-out. I mean, he's been injured his his uh, previous few seasons, but last month Carter's played fantastic on defense. So, uh, but, yeah, Rams just – honestly didn't give Edgerton the chance, came out and just boom. And I don't even think Edgerton had a first down probably till almost the second quarter because yeah, <laughs> it was it just was, like three and out, three and out, three and out from yeah. Edgerton over and over. I think they had two in the first half. Yeah. That, that was it. Wow. It was, yeah, total domination by the Rams. Un- unexpected, I think I would say, but at least from the average fan standpoint. Right, right. <laughs> and I tell you, there's a couple things that I really like that game. Uh, definitely one, like Tony said, the passing game that Tenor was able to develop. Um, you look at Graziani, he was able to go four of six, 90 passing yards and one touchdown. And that, and that's what you need. He, he looked more poised in the pocket. Um, he was able to throw the ball deep a couple times. And the, I don't know how the one reception, I think it was, was it Cole Anders that came up with the reception? Yeah. Really? yeah. I was like, <laughs> how in the world did he even? In the area too. Yeah. I don't know how he made that reception, but that that's where a lot of those yards came yep. from. But it was good to see him go out there and be confident in himself because I feel like the last few yep. weeks, we just didn't see that confidence. We saw him almost kind of rushed at times and didn't set his feet. But this last game, he's able to do that a little bit, and it's good to see. And uh, like we, we talk about again, I mean, that's what Tenora needs going into the playoffs. The play you're talking we're talking about, A.J., I know you were in Cancun yeah. enjoying yourself. But <laughs> um, but uh, they threw the ball, Graziani threw the ball probably with 40 yards in the yeah, air. Yeah, down wow. near sideline. And, and Cole Anders and uh, Brandon? Braden, Braden Rostai. Braden Rostai were kind of like, in the same spot, and the ball comes down, and it looked like it hit the ground, and all of a sudden, there goes Anders for the touchdown. He just wow. took off. It was like, how did he come up with the ball? Um, but it was pretty awesome. It was a, it was a good play there. And, but uh, it was definitely yeah. exciting. You know, I I sent you guys one of you guys a message. I think I was in the, the group chat that yeah. we have, just asking what the score was, and I saw thirty one six. I'm like, wow, something changed uh, to see <laughs> Tenora putting up thirty one points against a team like Edgerton, I was like, okay, they're, they had a change on offense a little bit there. Uh, just obviously became multidimensional, at least a little bit, which, like you said earlier with, uh, I don't remember who we were talking about, but Wayne. when you when you open up some of the options, you know, 90 yards passing isn't, like, super out there compared to some of the other teams we've seen, like 300 yards. Um, but it's enough to open up the run game. Yeah, it so it's enough to open up the rest of the offense. They've got to be careful of that pass. And it allows uh, you know Edwards and those guys to to shine like they usually do. Yeah. I tell you, Graziani, he's like you mentioned Logan. He's poised, and I tell you what, he just stands right and he just stands right there, and and he throws the yep. ball. And he sometimes he takes a hit, sometimes he doesn't. But 
he doesn't seem to even care. It's like, he does, you're like, you're, I mean, for me, I'm kind of like, oh, and then all of a sudden he throws the ball and you're like, oh, I thought he was going to get sacked. Yeah. yeah. Or he just turns his back and wiggles yeah. out to the left or right and makes yeah. a play out of it like we've seen at Paulding. But yeah, um, he's, he's quick too. He yeah. really showed off. Yep. He scrambled that one time and took off and I think got yep. a first down and I'm like, wow. Yeah, the last the last two games, if, if you took the first game he played, that basically take the second half versus Ayersville, I think, and then last week it's like two different kids. Like this confidence is so much greater than what it was against. Obviously, he wasn't prepared to play against Ayersville. Right. But it, just getting first-team reps, you can see his confidence just go from here to – and he's just a sophomore. So Yeah, and that makes know. me wonder, you know, because we talked about this. You know, we talked about after the Liberty Center game that if – if they had made that switch then, because I know, I know we all were standing there at Liberty Center when he came in for a few plays there when yeah. Gavin got his bell rung a little bit. He threw the ball, and we were all kind of – I mean, immediately kind of – I remember looking at Logan like, wow, <laughs> this kid's got a cannon. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if they had made that switch then and, and, and put Eckert in the backfield or put him out there in space where he can use yeah. his athleticism, you know, how that may have changed right. Sonora's um, season also. But – but you have down here, Logan. That you know, I want to point out that Jacob Bishop. You know, he's yeah. he's been he's been great this year, and he, and he kicked a forty-one yard field goal. And yeah, um, you know, we talked about special teams, and special teams is is huge. Didn't come into play in this game as far as make or break, but you know, putting those points on the board sometimes when you get those drives where you just can't get the ball in the end zone and you come away with some points. Yeah, that's better than. You Which know, is we mentioned the yeah, Earsville game. That was, that was my next point. Tony just took a right from my, my my thought process, but that's like Earsville. Like apparently they don't have a kicker, right? And then like Tenora, at least you know the coaching staff, Coach Leisher now can lean on Jacob um, anywhere. If you get the ball to the twenty five yard line, you're going to have a shot at at least three points. So as as we saw at Lima, he had that forty was a forty four yarder hit yeah. the. Crossbar, cross the crossbar. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. it's a nice little additive uh, added feature. Oh, and Tor's Tor's been lucky with that. I mean, over oh, the yeah. past. I mean, you go back. I mean, yeah. you go way back like to the 2010 season when they had um, Alex Mosier. Alex Mosier. And, uh, I can never remember Justin. Or not Justin. I can't. I can never remember. There was somebody that came in right around your time. Josh. Josh Camp. Yeah, Josh Camp was when he was there. Marcus, uh, Reeves. Marcus Reeves. Marcus Reeves Marcus is another Reeves, one. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He booted Reeves, 50 yarders. Even <laughs> Dylan last year was all GMC as a kicker. So, right. I mean, there's yeah. Tenora's yeah, blessed very, very three blessed kickers. With, yes. And yeah. people don't think about that. But, man, I tell you what, it, you know, uh, when I look at that, I always think about myself as freshmen. You know, you're trying to earn a way on the field. Learn how to field goal kick. I mean, if you can kick, yeah, that can come in huge in games. Especially in some of these games where we see missed PATs, uh, <laughs> even that right there is big enough of a deal. But uh, getting Bishop out here kicking 41-yard field goals, you, like you said, it didn't come up a whole lot in this game because the game was kind of got away from Edgerton a little bit. Um, but it gives him confidence going into the playoffs here. Right. So now he knows in him himself, can believe in himself, that he can kick that. The yeah. coaching staff can believe in it. So you know, a situation like that comes up in the playoffs, you might see him kick a field goal. Yeah, he's got a heck of a leg. <laughs> and I know we were talking a lot about Tenora, but I do want to mention a couple things from Edgerton's side of things. I will say I was really impressed with the sheer size that those those guys had up on the offensive and defensive lines, yeah. and they clogged up a lot of holes for Tenora. I mean, because there was a point in time where Tenora could not run the ball up the middle yeah. because you had some big boys up there. Yep. You had uh, guys like Blake Flower, Caden Burkhart, and uh, they were doing a nice job at, at shutting down the run up the middle. And 
But to, you saw Tenora, they adapted, and uh, that's where Brandon Edwards came in, running back for Tenora. He had 19 carries, 143 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. So it was good to see him come alive and really hit the outside edge. A um, couple other things, too, is uh, Joel Walkup, linebacker for Edgerton. The kid's a stud. He does a nice job, and he led the team with 13 and a half tackles and was all over. And, again, Corey Everts, he's, he's probably not – I know he's known more for his offense, but again, he does such a nice job on defense. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. And then during this game at Tenor, he had nine and a half tackles. But that's one thing, again, um, I know Corey Everts, he's usually one of the better offensive players around. But the Tenor defense, again, just held Edgerton 120 total yards of offense. And, and that's impressive considering Edgerton was averaging 37 points a game and 350 yards of total offensive games. Yep. So. Again, um, I would have thought it would have been a lot closer. And actually, like I said, I picked Edgerton too. And most of us here, all of us here actually <laughs> did, except for, for Tony. So, again, um, I think Edgerton has a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of talent on that team and a lot of experience. So, uh, wouldn't be surprised if, if they get things turned around here and uh, they put together a pretty good scheme against Antwerp. All right, let's move on. Last game here, Fairview at Hicksville. Uh, Hicksville ended up winning that one 28-13, and uh, this game was 13-14 to at half with Hicksville leading, so it was a close one all the way through. But uh, Fairview just couldn't keep things going in the second half. They, they remained scoreless, and it definitely helps when your QB plays well, which is a big reason why Hicksville came away with the win as Brody Balzer threw for 185 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and he rushed for 98 rushing yards, and he added another rushing touchdown. So very good performance out of him. A couple other key guys, you look at wide receiver Aaron Klima for Hicksville. He added 11 receptions for 113 yards and a receiving touchdown. And then for Fairview, you look at Drayden Grinnell, Dennis, and DeAndre Hastings. Both had touchdowns for the Apaches. But, again, I felt like this was an opportunity for Fairview to get their first win of the season. They just couldn't get it done. Um, again, Hicksville picks up their second win, and uh, they got a tough matchup against Tenor next week. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this game here? That we'll get to see the Aces firsthand this Friday night. So, yeah, Lucas Smith's one of those head coaches has been in the game for a long time, even, even though he's young. He's like he's been around forever. It, you you kind of pull for somebody like him. Um, good to see Hicksville get their second win. And, yeah, we'll see the offense firsthand this Friday night uh, over at Hicksville. But I think uh, Brody Balzer and Aaron Klima basically switched positions this, coming into this yes, season. Yes, they did. So it was, it was nice to see them finally uh, – connect for a big game but uh coach mccord on the other side i mean they have a, a elementary and junior high program that's pretty strong so you know they're going to take their bumps this year but i think in the upcoming years they they got a lot to work with so yeah fairby's got a good eighth grade class yeah. we played them and they thought they thumped us pretty good but <laughs> some big boys they're quick and uh it looks like they know how to play the game of football so you know Coach McCord, relax a little bit. You got some, you got some players coming that can help you out, I'm sure. And um, like Keith said, you know, Hicksville, that just one of those years for them, and being a small school, and just have to kind of play the wave. You know, we we yeah. talked about before where, you know, you just got to wait for your athletes to come in, and they seem to come in in, in you know in waves yeah. when those smaller schools. So well, I mean, we've um, talked about it with schools like Antwerp. They didn't even have a program for a year. They right. canceled the season, and look at them now. They're winning the, the conference. Yep. Uh, so, you know, things might look bleak right now for Fairview, but give it a couple of years. Things flip-flop well, so well, much just, in high Just school. two years ago, I think they were in the final eight. So, right. I mean, yeah. that, <laughs> things can yep. change just like that. Right. For, you know, your graduating class comes out and or goes out, then you don't have too much coming up behind it. And 
And as we're seeing with Fairview is probably your prime example, it's just a shift in talent over like a two year period. Yeah. So, yeah. but as, as Tony said, yeah, they have a lot, a lot of uh, talent coming up. So coach McCord, he'll have uh, Fairview back, back winning in no time. Yeah, and so, will, so will coach Smith. They'll both be, oh, yeah, they'll both be working it yeah. out. All right. Well, that concludes our week nine game recap. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Three Chord is a family-owned and operated business who offers the highest quality embroidery, screen printing, sign and promotional items to customers in Northwest Ohio at competitive prices. Locations in Archibald, Napoleon, and Bowling Green. Check them out at threecord.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-O-R-D.com. For any of your auto body or collision needs, be sure to check out Bat and Stevens Body Shop. Voted the number one body shop in Northwest Ohio by Crescent News Readers. Give them a call today at 419-497-3111 to schedule your free estimate. Check out Tenora Rams Live. Live events broadcast on YouTube and post-game results, articles, schedules, and more can all be found on TenoraRams.com. Feel free to look up their Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages as well. Jimena's Basketball Academy strives to create an atmosphere to cultivate basketball fundamentals in Northwest Ohio youth athletes, offering one-on-one sessions, group sessions, speed and agility training, and much more. Located in Pettisville, Ohio, call Coach Jesse today at 419-551-8105. Welcome back to the NW Sports Podcast. Logan Bailey here with Keith Brown, Tony, and AJ Fairchild. And we're looking at Player of the Week from Week 9. And we'll go ahead and I'll run through some of the finalists here and a lot of good performances this week. And uh, we'll go ahead and have a little bit of discussion here. So let's kick it off here. Uh, Breaking the list here is Carson Dominic, running back Archibald, 32 carries, 158 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Nash Meyer, quarterback Patrick Henry, 24 of 28, 86% completion percentage, 324 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown from a quarterback. Uh, Brogan Castillo, running back Defiance, 22 carries, 100 rushing yards, 32 receiving yards, one rushing touchdown, and two receiving TDs. Uh, Colton Cruz, running back Liberty Center, five carries, 132 rushing yards, averaging 26.4 yards a carry, two rushing touchdowns. Brandon Edwards, running back Tenora, 19 carries, 143 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, one interception on defense, so uh, he contributed on both sides of the ball. Jace Kepler, quarterback Brian, 13 carries, 224 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. He was 8 of 13 passing with 111 passing yards, one passing touchdown, and he also contributed with an interception on defense. Brody Balzer, quarterback Hicksville, 18 of 25, 72%, 205 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Uh, He did have an interception, uh, but 95 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. Kyle Stoller, quarterback Wayne Trace, 11 of 20, 269 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and he did have one interception, but again, helped uh, lead a win against a good Ayersville team. Owen Berner, running back Ayersville, 22 carries, 138 rushing yards, uh, two rushing touchdowns, and an interception on defense. Aaron Klima, wide receiver Hicksville, 11 receptions, 113 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. A few more guys here. Jacob Caldwell, quarterback striker, 24 of 27, good for 89% completion percentage, 300 passing yards, and six passing touchdowns. Mateo Villanueva, wide receiver defensive back from striker, 10 receptions, 99 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, and an interception on defense. And last but not least, Reed Leachty, running back from Antwerp, nine carries, 108 rushing yards, averaging 12 yards a carry, three rushing touchdowns, and he had four receptions for 58 receiving yards. So who wants to kick it off for some guys that uh, were kind of catching your eye for player of the week? Uh, me, actually, number one there, Carson Dominique. It's just nice to have somebody like him, you know, kind of you're priming the pump for playoffs, 32 carries, 158 yards, three touchdowns. 
you got him, you got Kate Brenner on the other end as your quarterback. So, um, uh, Brandon Edwards, another one for Tenora, um, just getting ready for the playoffs. And he showed, hey, you can bottle us up inside, but you get me outside. And Brandon gets outside. He can just wave goodbye because he's going to he's gonna take it all the way to the house. So, um, But, yeah, th- those two, uh, Carson Dominic and Brandon Edwards, uh, and, of course, Nash Meyer uh, stood out for me. Kind of looking at uh, Colton Cruz from Liberty Center. Uh 132 yards doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you look at it, it's only on five carries. It's like, wow, <laughs> 26, uh, 26.4 yards a carry. That That's a game changer right there, uh, you know, in a, in a close game. If you got somebody like that on your offense that can break away some of those uh, long runs, that's going to do you well in playoffs. So it's cool to see him putting up numbers like that on only five carries. Uh, for me, I, I you know, I liked uh, Kyle Stoller coming out and, and uh, throwing for – Going for two hundred over two hundred yards against Ayersville to help Wayne Trace pull out that victory. That's a big. That's a big win for them. And um, you know, uh, Owen Burner on the other side of that game, you know, rushing for one hundred and thirty-eight yards, trying to do everything he could do to help his team. And um, kind of a, a battle of a battle of two wills there. So, um, but like he said, uh, man, Nash Meyer just tore it up. And I looked at, too, I agree with you, Kyle Stoller was someone who kind of caught my eye, again, helping to upset Ayersville in a, in a big GMC matchup. Uh, another guy that uh, I thought uh, was, I was pretty impressed with was uh, Brogan Castillo running back from Defiance. Again, he's had a never – I feel like every single game he's always having 100 rushing yards. That's a given, and he's at least having two touchdowns. So, again, he contributed uh, one rushing touchdown, two receiving touchdowns. Um, even another guy uh, that broke the list this week that we haven't really talked much about was Brody Balzer, quarterback from Hicksville. He was 18 of 25, good for 72%, throwing a 205 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and uh, he also had a rushing touchdown. And, and that was huge to, to put him over and get a win against Fairview and get Hicksville's second win of the season. So, uh, I mean, that could be could be a, not necessarily season changer because you're late in the season, but again um, – Two two and seven sounds a lot better than one and eight. Yeah, so definitely, uh, definitely uh, adding another win to the win column is always good. So uh, we talked off air and uh, we talked a little bit, but a fairly quick conversation here. And uh, we're going to go with Nash Meyer, quarterback from Patrick Henry. And again, uh, when you go out there and you make a statement like that against the like how they did against Delta, that's very deserving. Again, he was twenty four of twenty eight, eighty six percent completion percentage. He had. Three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown, and 324 passing yards. And by far and away, what a performance by Nash Meyer. And it's, it's good to see him back on this list because, again, we've talked about that uh, Patrick Henry, Patriots, that blue-collar workman, yep. go to work. And that, that's just what he did this game. He went to work, and and Delta couldn't stop him. So uh, player of the week for NW Sports week nine is Nash Meyer, quarterback from Patrick Henry. So, again, congratulations to him, and congrats to all these other finalists that made the list. And, again, uh, another week. And uh, if you didn't make the list, go ahead, keep going out there and doing your best. Uh, we'll give you that, that shout-out. And uh, we, lo- we love to see the performances in the area. Definitely. Uh, also, the Player of the Week will receive a plaque sponsored by Bat and Stevens Body Shop at the end of the season. So uh, we'll be getting those around here shortly, and uh, we'll get those out to those players. Let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next section here, Power Rankings for Week 10. And uh, I'll go ahead, and like we always do, I'll break down this week's Power Rankings, and the guys will go ahead and comment on it and see what they think. 
So let's start here. Number 27, Fairview. Number 26, Hilltop. Number 25, Paulding. Number 24, Hicksville. Number 23, Swanton. Number 22, Montpelier. Number 21, Evergreen. And number 20, Ottawa Glendorf. So thoughts on this group here? Not much to say there. I mean, just a bunch of teams that are struggling through the season. And, uh, you know, the one team in there that we talked about is Evergreen. And I was looking at them earlier today just because we were doing our, you know, getting our picks ready for this week. And I just looked at the schedule, man, and just – you know, they got into the to the NWAL schedule and they just burned them. I mean, it's a buzzsaw, and they just haven't got it back together right. yet. Uh, for me, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty accurate for for that bottom tier. Um, Montpelier, I think Hilltop in the season this year, or so and uh, yeah, pretty pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, I think it's spot on. All right, let's go ahead. Let's look at the next few teams here. Number 19, Crestview. Number 18, Lipsick. Number 17, Napoleon. Number 16, North Central. Number 15, Wayne Trace. So thoughts on this section here. I'll tell you what, for me, Crestview and Lipsick are the two teams that are surprising me that they're down there. We really thought, I think we all thought they would, you know, be, should be a lot higher. They should be doing a lot better than what they are. And um, I think it's kind of surprises both where they're at. But, I mean, I think they're there deservedly, but... I think we talked to and Keith. I think mentioned didn't it, wasn't Crestview four and zero to start the season? Yeah, I too? believe they were. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I mean that that's something too. I mean it's been a tale of two halves of the season yeah. for Crestview, yeah. and and we know that they can go out and win games. It's just they haven't been able to get the job done the last yep. few weeks. Uh, Keith and AJ got any comments further on this section here? No, uh, just quickly looking. Crestview was 3-0 and to start the season and they ended up winning against Spencerville uh, two weeks ago. So they had a streak of four losses in a row there. Kind of like what happened, but you know, it, it happens in football. So Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's pretty pretty, uh, as, you, as Tony said, at Crestview and Lipstick, we probably expect a little more out of them than what we, what we see, but yeah, pretty in North Central, very surprising. Slowly moved up and Oh, just nipping at that top 15. <laughs> yep, yep. And let's look at the next section here. Number 15, Wayne Trace. Number 14, Eden. Number 13, Edgerton. Number 12, Delta. Number 11, Brian. So we'll look at this group here. Well, Wayne Trace took a big jump up, beat Nairsville. That was a huge win for them. And then I think that's a good jump up for them. You know, then you see Edgerton on the other way sliding backwards, um, you know, with the two losses now. So, um and on the flip side of that, Tenora making a huge leap as well, popping back up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they took a bit of a fall after a couple weeks ago, and now they're sliding back up. Yep. Keith, yep. any yep. comments? Nope. Nope. Pretty accurate. I like it. All right. Let's look at the top 10 here. Uh, number 10, Tenora. Number 9, Patrick Henry. Number 8, Wasion. Number 7, Ayersville. Number 6, Columbus Grove. So thoughts here? No, I think that's pretty close. Um, could go about any way. Yeah, as as we talked about earlier, like Tenora's right there. Or, boy, if you if you draw them in the playoffs, you're probably thinking your coaches. You just kind of turn your back and roll your eyes, like, oh, here we go. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, Tenora's playing as, as of the last couple of weeks some of the best ball in the area, and could move up a spot or two next week. But yeah, pretty accurately ranked in. Uh, um, Ayersville got a rebound, and you know, kind of get primed for the playoffs. All right, let's look at the top five. Number five, Defiance. Number four, Archbold. Number three, Antwerp. Number two, Van Wert. Number one, Liberty Center. I think Liberty Center deserves it. Uh, that's pretty obvious. I think Liberty Center, they're going to have a heck of a playoff run here coming up. Uh, they're 
they're coming out of that region. Anybody that comes out of that region is bound for state. Uh, so I don't want to jinx anybody, but Liberty Center's got a team that is just unstoppable. Yep. Uh, so them being number one is is awesome. Uh, but the thing that's even cooler to me is seeing Defiance in the top five. You know, having them up there is that's awesome. Never would have expected that. Yeah, like uh, where they started at and where they are now is yep. opposite opposite end of the spectrum. So yeah, it's good to see Coach Cooper and the Dogs in the top five. Yeah, I don't have any complaints. See how it all shakes out here in the next couple weeks. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with a couple of good sections for you guys watching and listening. Fairchild Family Chiropractic aims to help families to get better together in the least invasive way possible. Dr. Fairchild focuses on the neck using the Blair Technique and Palmer Package adjusting to correct spinal misalignments. Located in Defiance, Ohio, call Dr. Fairchild today at 419-576-5070 to schedule an appointment. Northwest Ohio Basketball hosts premier basketball tournaments for boys in grades 3 to 8 in the area. Upcoming tournaments are right around the corner. Give them a call today at 419-283-5296 or check out their website at nwobball.com. Back on the NWO Sports Podcast, and we're going to go ahead and we'll start with our call-in section here. And uh, boy, do we have a treat for you today. Uh, We'll be talking to head coach of the Antwerp Archers and Jason Hale. And coach, uh, first I want to congratulate you and your team on winning uh, Antwerp's first ever football GMC title in school history. And this this has to be a long time coming, and I'm glad to see you and your team win it outright. Yeah, thanks. You know, it, it has been a long time coming. Obviously, there have been some really good teams before us in the early 2000s. You know, that a lot of my coaches have been a part of. Uh, you know, a lot of my, my assistant coaches were part of those teams, and they came really close. But for us to finally to get over the hump finally and do it the way we did, was it's just been awesome to see. And I'm so excited for our kids. So it's been great, man. Yeah, and that, that's like you said, I mean, that's got to be awesome for you guys and the whole community. Um, I have to ask, what does it feel like to take a program from the ground up to the point where there wasn't even a varsity team in 2015 to now winning the first conference title in school history? I, I would think that has to feel pretty good at this point. Oh, absolutely. You know, but I think the big thing is that, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a great plan in place from our athletic director, Drew Ultimus, and our administration. You know, we, we had a plan in place, and, and luckily – the GMC was supportive of us taking a year off, playing that JV, um, and, and then coming back. Because we knew we had a plan in place. We knew we could get to this group and, and have great numbers and continue sure, to sure. build this thing. So we had a great plan, and it worked out very well for us. Now, another thing is, too, I feel like this year is just a little bit different than other seasons. You know, you guys won the GMC outright, and I know you guys have had a successful season uh, last year, but it just seems like this this year's different. And what, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, well, I, I think, what, you know, obviously we had a great year last year, and what people maybe not, don't realize a lot of the time is we lost 14 seniors, you know, wow, and probably yeah. nine of those guys, nine of those guys were key contributors. We lost three All-State guys off the team from last year, so, you know, there was some uncertainty coming back this year. We had to have guys step up and, and, and be ready to play, uh, you know, and it started in summer workouts, and, and our guys continue to build each week, um, and so we had guys step up and make plays. That, I think that's something people forget a lot of times. You know, we were senior heavy last year, um, and, and we had guys step up currently right now and making big plays and just leading us. So that's what I'm most proud of. We had guys step up and, and become leaders of our program and continue building this thing in the right direction. Yeah, and that's amazing. Like it, like you said, if you can graduate that many seniors and you can get guys to step up and replace, and that that's how you build those great programs. And we've really seen it out of you guys the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously it starts with 
you know, success breeds success. When you're having success, guys want to come be part of the team. And then they learn the game, you know, and slowly build and build. You know, we got key contributors from, you know, our two seniors this year, our big junior class, and our, our, a lot of our sophomores are contributing, and a couple of freshmen. So, you know, we got – it's mixing in well, and it's been great to see this year. Uh, next question I have for you is, what is it like to coach some of these great athletes? You know, you look at, like, Carson Altimus, Reed Leachty, Landon Brewer, Sears Scale, Parker Moore. The list goes on and on. What's it like to coach some of these kids on, on the Antwerp Archers? Oh, man, it's a blast. You know, obviously being an offensive coordinator – uh, it, it, I feel like I got a lot of weapons, obviously, at my disposal. So, you know, we, we can, you know, we get one guy the ball and then get another guy the ball. And I think the biggest thing for me is I'm just excited because all our guys get excited when somebody else makes a play. You know, when Landon makes a play or when Reed makes a play or Cam makes a play or Parker makes a play, they all get excited for each other. They all block well for each other, uh, you know, and so they want everybody to be successful. And that's, that's the sign of a good team. You know, they're not just out for it for themselves. They're out for our whole team to be better. And those guys do that consistently with our skill positions, obviously with Carson and Reed, um, you know, leading the way there and Landon. But, you know, our guys do a great job of, of blocking for each other, cheering each other on, and being the good, great teammates. Yeah, and I think you hit it right on the money. And, and we, we got a chance to witness you guys play against Tenora. Obviously, we cover uh, some Tenora games. And just watching your kids go out there, and they, you could tell they're having fun at each and every play. And just I think that's that sets you guys apart from a lot of different teams. I mean, they're out there celebrating with each other, and they're just going out there and having fun. And, and that, that's really what I think what a good quality they have in good teams like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that comes from these guys, you know, They've, they've played a lot of football together. I mean, back in the backyard when they were little, to minis, you know, when we started this thing in minis with them, and then, you know, to junior high, to high school. So it's a constant process where they've been around each other, they trust each other, they know each other, and it, it's been a great season. And, you know, we've had great support from our community, and we've been thankful. And I'm just glad that I get to be around these amazing young guys and young athletes every day, and, and we get better each day, and they show up and put the work in, and, it, and it's paying off. And we're going to do that this week. Talking to the guys here, uh, you guys got any questions for head coach of the Archers and uh, Jason Hale? I got a couple. I mean, uh, this is Tony Fairchild, and I just got a question for you. You know, been over there uh, last year and saw your guys this new. You guys have been updating uh, the facilities over there, and you got a new press box, and you guys flip flopped the home site from what it used to be years ago. Um, and uh, you, you make all of us away people stare into the sun now instead of you guys. <laughs> but, um, you know, your front gate looks, I mean, it looks beautiful as you walk into the facility. And, um, I mean, did you guys fundraise for that? or? Um... Yeah, you know, I think our, our uh, athletic department, you know, and with help of our boosters and, and great support from the school, had a great plan in place, you know, and our, our maintenance staff does a great job of taking care of our facility. Uh, Andrew Messon is our head, head custodian, him and Lim Butte do a great job of taking care of our field. You know, we have a parents club that paints the field and, and does a great job of that. So, you know, we take pride in that. And obviously when we get to play home, it's a, it's a great thing to, to be in. Obviously not looking into the sun anymore is obviously a big deal <laughs> for us. So, you know, that, that might have had a little swing and, you know, us switching the sides. But, no, it's 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 a it's an awesome place to play, you know, and it, it's just great. The, the support we get from the community, the support we get from our from our athletic department and the administration is great. Uh, good and and do you have you guys done upgrades to other facilities like your weight room and that kind of stuff? I mean, we've seen that at yeah, other facilities well, like at Liberty Center, and um, yeah, you know, it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, we updated uh, the baseball field. Uh, I think probably you know five six years ago. So that's all together now. We still have our old baseball field. Um, our weight room is uh, is is pretty top notch. We got great space in there. Locker rooms on each side. Um, so you know, we we have great facilities. 
I really believe that. And it, it just makes it easy to show up and come to work and our kids enjoy being there and taking full advantage of every aspect of that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. As you start doing that, you're showing some pride in your facilities and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. It kind of builds, yep. builds with the students as well. Absolutely. You know, we got, obviously we've had great support from our students, fans as well. And, you know, we, we always do like a, a fan walk, a fan tunnel before the game when we come out and to see the numbers keep growing each week for that's awesome to see. And we're excited to do it for those guys as well. That's awesome. Hey, Coach Hale, thanks for coming on. Boy, I had a whole list here for you. I could keep you on for a half an hour with just my questions. <laughs> um, first one I had for you, when that uh, fourth down pass versus Tenora hit the ground, did you just have a big sigh of relief? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, that. <clears throat> obviously our, our guys made a good play, but, you know, Tenora was, was a great opponent, and, and we were able to get a stop there. Um, but, you know, that was a hard-fought a hard fought game, and, you know, we, we faced some adversity there in the second half, and our guys our guys responded well, and we were able to get the victory. So it was a, a big side of relief, and I'm glad we made a play. Awesome. And I'm sure you don't lose much sleep knowing you only graduate two seniors this season. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, you, you're building a heck of a program, and, and to look at the roster, you just have uh, two seniors, uh, Kendrick Robertson, I think uh, Parker Moore, that's your only two yep, seniors? Yep, wow. that's it, yep. So, you know, those guys, those guys have done a great job for us being seniors. Obviously, we've got a big junior class, a big sophomore class. You know, we've had nine freshmen come out this year, and and right now our our, our seventh and eighth grade team, our junior high team, was uh, six two and one. So you know they had a good they had a good wow. season. Just finished up yesterday, so you know we had good numbers there. Started I think with like twenty five. So I think we're maybe going to have you know ten to twelve eight bidders come out. You know, going into the freshmen. So we continue to build this thing, and uh, that's that's the way you build build success, man. It's just kids showing up, putting the work in. You know, and it, it takes a lot of hard work, and, and our guys know that, and they showed up and started putting that work back in in June. Uh, and it's paid off, and we're going to need to continue to work hard as we start down, you know, finish up GMC play and head down the tournament trail. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, last one for me is, what's it like to have some of your, your bigger athletes as far as, I guess, basketball-wise? I mean, last year, last few years you had Jagger Landers, and you have Landon Brewer. To, I mean, that has to, like like you said, you have all these young athletes coming up, junior high and freshmen. They just probably just want to join in. If you see, like, hey, Jagger you know, he's playing at Finley now, but he wants to go out and play football, so I want to go play football too. So that, I mean, seeing these kids like this out there has to help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer, <clears throat> um, and as many of our coaches are, is, is multi-sport athletes. You know, you need those guys to be versatile and, and, and play multiple sports, you know, with that. And, you know, because, you know, and I've talk, I talked about it all year, you know, those guys went on that basketball run last year. Those guys went on that baseball run. We've had success in track and field. Those guys under, excuse me, understands what it takes in those big moments. You know, when you, you go on a tournament run like you did going to state, you know, and then obviously last year a win versus PH in the playoffs. And um, so when you when you go through those those games and those moments, you understand what it takes to, to, to win and have success. And that's only continued to build our program this year. And, and those guys understand what it takes. And, and they know, you know, they've done a really good job with the moment not being too big and, and staying focused. Uh, and we attack every game, you know, like it's the next one because it's the most important one. So they've done a great job, and obviously those guys playing multiple sports and not only helps me in football, you know, it helps in basketball, it helps in baseball, and and we have a great we have great kids that are able to do that. Uh, this is AJ Fairchild here, uh, talking about the great facilities you guys have and how great it is to walk into that stadium every day and play there. Uh, you guys are heading over to Edgerton this week here, and we all know firsthand that is not a very welcoming place to incoming teams. So uh, what's what's your guys' outlook for this week? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, <clears throat> Edgerton's a very good team. Uh, they got a great quarterback, great athletic quarterback. They're big and, and big and physical up front. 
Uh, so, you know, defensively, we're going to play fundamental football. Uh, you know, you, you got to know where, where number four their quarterback is, obviously. Uh, try to stop him, but, you know, they got a lot of their weapons as well. So, you know, we know we're going to get tested because they're playing for a lot as well for seeding. So it's going to be a battle. You know, obviously going into Edgerton, that's a tough place to play. You know, going down in the valley, you know, they, they have great support there. So we got to be focused and we got to become road warriors just like we have been all year. And we got to get it done and, and be ready to go. Yeah, Coach, uh, this is Logan again. Uh, one more question here. We won't keep you too much longer, but uh, you guys have a chance at going 10-0 and and hosting another home playoff game in Region 26, Division 7. And uh, I'm sure the community of Antwerp has to be ecstatic about that again. And what does that mean to you guys to have that opportunity to finish the regular season undefeated and also host uh, a home playoff game? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, you know, for us to go 10-0, and the biggest thing is if the next the next game is the biggest one. You know, it's another chance for us to go one and this week, and that's what we've been talking about all week. So obviously, we get that. You know, we're able to make some more history there and go ten and zero. Um, and then obviously that plays a big deal because you want to be one of those top four seeds because those top four seeds obviously get two home playoff games if you're fortunate enough to win. So you know, we we can still there's we still got a lot to play for even though we're you know we're nine and zero. So that I don't think that happens a lot of times. You know, obviously you, have, you go nine and zero. Sometimes you don't have much to play for. You know, your team's already set. But, you know, with our region, you know, pretty much everybody in our region plays each other this week. So uh, there's going to be a lot of shuffling, a lot of moving around. And, and, you know, we need this game to get us ready for the playoffs versus a great opponent in Edgerton. And, you know, for us to go 10-0 would, would be an awesome feeling. And I would just be excited for our guys, you know, to experience that, you know. And then and then we got to turn the page, you know, come Saturday and get ready to go for the playoffs. And, you know, we got to try to be in that top four spot because, if you're able to host two home games, man, that's that's a huge advantage, obviously, because it is. teams got to travel up here to our place. You know, we got a we got a great crowd. We got the sport. We're our guys stay in that routine of being at home, man. And, and there's nothing like playing at home. You know, playoff football. It just gets you jacked up and ready to play. And, and you know, there's nothing special than playing uh, playoff football at home. So you know, we're we're still got a lot to play for, and that's what we're going to work for. That's awesome, Coach. Well, that's that's all we got here from uh, NWO Sports. I just want to thank you again for coming on and appreciate talking to you. I mean, you're doing big things over there, and uh, just want to wish you good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, going into playoffs, we'll be rooting for you here. And, um, again, uh, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll be cheering you on. Thanks, guys. Appreciate hey, it. Thank you, Coach Hale. Thank you. Take care, Coach. All right. We'll go ahead. We'll take a short little break here, and we'll be right back with our next call-in. Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty is a top real estate agent in Northwest Ohio. Crystal's compassion and enthusiasm allow her to find that special property or house just for you. Located in Bryan, Ohio, give her a call today at 419-799-1243. Back on the NWO Sports Podcast, and we're here for call number two today, and we're going to be talking to linebacker out of Eden High School, Cohen Halbert, and he is currently one of the leaders in the area for tackles right now. Um, so let's go ahead, Cohen, and let's start off with this Friday. You guys have a big game against Ottawa Hills, who is seven and one, and it's a battle for a TAC championship. And you guys will need it probably to bump you into into playoffs and help that out. Uh, what's it going to take Friday to get a win? Uh, we all have been working hard all week uh, to stay focused, really watching film and uh, working hard in practice, implementing new things, and just finding every little way we can to win and just. Stay focused. Uh, now, the next question I have for you. Um, now, you're one of the top in the area for tackles, and Eden has quite a few good linebackers over the years, and most recently with Gannon Ripke. Uh, what does it mean to play linebacker Eden with a rich history over the last few years of quality players, especially at the linebacker position? Uh, it means a lot, just knowing I can keep that tradition going and carrying on 
uh, especially for someone last year like Gannon, who I became pretty good friends with, and he really taught me a lot about the linebacker position and how to play it. So it's, it's a good feeling. So question for you is, uh, what do you think allows you to get so many tackles per game? Um, well, I, I try to watch a lot of film, and I pick up on things that offenses do really well, I think. And my D linemen and my outside linebackers especially take up a lot of blocks, stay in their lanes, and just allow me to make plays all over the field. So I don't think I'd be able to do it without uh, those guys. Uh, talking to the guys here, uh, you guys have any questions for Cohen or on the Eden uh, high school football team? A couple I had, Cohen, was what's it like to play for, like, coach, I guess, for, for us around here, coaching coaching legend uh, uh, Bob Owen. What's that like? More more of an offensive coach. Obviously, you're more a defensive player, but uh, what's, it, what's it like to play for uh, Coach Owen? Uh, he, he's a character. He, uh, <laughs> he likes, but when it's time to get down to business, uh, he gets everybody focused, and he does a really good job of teaching us things and showing us what to do and yeah, he has a really, truly great knowledge for the game, and he knows what he's doing, and we all trust him. So it's it's good time. Yeah, he's he's been around these parts forever. Uh, second one I had, even though it's just probably an individual award, well, what would it mean to you to lead the area in uh, tackles, which seems like you had a pretty good lead heading into Week 10 coming up? Obviously, you're more of a team player, but uh, individual stat, would that would that mean something to you to, as such a young player, just a, what are you, just a sophomore, to uh, come out in the, leading the area in tackles? Um. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. I I believe that uh, without the guys around me, obviously I wouldn't be able to do it. Like I said earlier, but I I put in I put in work and I've done a lot to be put myself in this position. So it, it it's a good feeling and it means a lot to know that I'm up there and those other guys around me have a lot of tackles too. Awesome. It's just it's just, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I got you know you guys are, you know we've been watching uh, Eden throughout the season, just throwing up points after points after points on the offensive side, um, you know, and then also you guys have played some teams that have thrown up a lot of points uh, the other side. I mean, I'm just looking at one of the games of St. Paul threw up 60 on you guys. Um, you know, how do you guys bounce back from giving up 60 points and then come back and you shut out the shut out the team next week? So, uh, St. Paul obviously was a really good team that we played and. They had a lot of good running backs, and they obviously are a full-T-type team. So we got a lot of physical action there, a lot of contact, more than we'd ever, ever gotten all year. And uh, we didn't hang our heads after that game. We knew we put up a fight, and we battled. And it really just gave us that hard experience of really getting in there uh, and just being a warrior in the game and what it knows or what it feels like to play hard. Yeah, we talked. Oh. We talked about that game. You guys, uh, I mean, there was a ton of ton of yards and stuff in that game, and um, you know, you guys have had a pretty tough schedule. You played Edgerton to start off the season, then you played Antwerp, and um, you know, so you guys have taken some knocks, but um, you know, taking that loss to St. Paul, getting ready for the playoffs, I think that's going to be a good thing for you guys if you guys can just knock off Ottawa Hills. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, last question I had for you here, Cohen. Uh, now your brother Cassius is playing at Tiffin University. Uh, what has that been to, like to have an older brother to look up to that has played football and that has had some success over the last couple of years and you even got a chance to, to play with him last season? What has that been like? 
uh, it was great. Um, my whole life, he's been kind of a mentor to me, teaching me things, always pushing me to work hard. And, you know, he's my big brother, so he beats up on me a little bit. But <laughs> it's always making me tougher and making me a better player. And playing with him last year um, was a great feeling. I know when the season ended, uh, we we took that a little roughly, not getting to play with each other again. But it was a good time, and I really, I really appreciated it. All right, Cohen. Well, uh, I think that's all we got for you. Uh, but I just want to say thanks again for coming on, and uh, I want to wish you good luck for this upcoming Friday's game. It's a big one for you guys, and uh, good luck, and hopefully you guys get into playoffs. Yep, thank you. Hey, thank right. you. Thanks. Take care, Cohen. You too. All right. Well, that concludes our call-ins here. Uh, we'll go ahead. We'll move on. We only got one hot take this week because we're going to do a little bit of playoff talk later, but question for you guys here and i put a poll on twitter which i said it's already got over a thousand votes on this so uh, <laughs> people are very passionate about defensive player of the year for for nw sports but the question is who is your defensive player of the year with one week left to go in the regular season and the category i had and i know there's probably some other kids that can make the list but these are some that came to mind right away uh joel walkup linebacker edgerton tad cook linebacker columbus grove Owen Box, defensive line, Liberty Center. Cohen Halbert, linebacker, Eden. Austin Kovar, linebacker, Wasion. Reed Leachty, linebacker, Antwerp. Holden Barnes, linebacker, Delta. And Ezra Sin, from linebacker from Wayne Trace. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on player of the year? Or if you guys had anyone else? I guess I want to ask a, I'm going to ask a question before I even get involved in trying to pick who's – how many of these guys are seniors? Very good question. I mean, I, I'm looking. Walk up is a sophomore, sophomore, right? Yep. And we just talked to Cohen Holbert. He's a sophomore, also, correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, I believe Tad uh, and Owen are both seniors. Uh, Austin Cover might be a senior. Um, At least he's a junior. Junior. I mean, and I'm, I'm not sure about Sin from Wayne Trace. I just, you know, it just amazes me. You, you we've got a list of defensive player of the year, and you know, you got, you got a bunch of underclassmen, and not only underclassmen, but you got sophomores. You know, and you got. Uh, People that you know would not may not be defensive player of the year kind of caliber people yet, but you know we talked about all three of the linebackers from Tenor are all all really good defensive yeah. players and they're, they're all they're all juniors. juniors. So, um, I mean, when you start talking about the defense around the area, you're looking at a bunch of younger players at this point. As yeah, sends a senior for Dwayne Trace. Okay. I think when I look at this list, and I, I've said this at the beginning of the season, that Columbus Grove probably has one of the best duos at linebacker and A.J. Schaefer and Tad Cook. Um, and one thing with him is I just saw that he has now surpassed the career tackle record at Columbus Grove with 360. Wow. And you, you look at that, and that is wow. just phenomenal. I mean, to have a career like that, and we've heard his name a lot. But, again, I mean, that's pretty impressive, especially coming from a program like Columbus Grove that – I mean, it seems like every year they have a great football program year after year after year. And for him to break that record and continue, I mean, he's got a chance to continue to bump that up even more. And I know tackles aren't everything, but again, you, you look at it and he's just a kid that goes out there each and every every game and he is all over the field. And I've seen some of his highlights um, from his huddle and whatnot, and he, he makes plays out there. And that, that's one thing I really like about him. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, linebacker position, you know, I played it myself in high school. I know AJ did as well. Um, you know, he, he, as Cohen mentioned in, in the call, you really rely on the guys up front to do their job. If they're doing their job, 
then you can do your job. And depending on which position you're playing and how your defense is set up, you know, you get to kind of just roam. Um, you may not have a responsibility necessarily, depending on the defensive scheme. You, you know, you might be kind of on a, a monster back, which is what I played a little bit. Um, you know, so you get to fly all over the field, like Cohen was saying. And um, but you really got to rely on the guys up front to to do to do that. And it's um, you know sometimes you can build up a bunch of tackles quick. And it's I, kinda, oh, go ahead, AJ. Kind of like why I like uh, Owen Box for their player, a defensive player, just because you know he is a D lineman. So to see a D lineman, he's the only one on this list. It's it's on the line, and you know it's, sometimes it's hard to get a lot of tackles on defense on the defensive line because you know you're the one being blocked up front. Uh, you know the linebackers are the ones that are back a little bit, so they're a little easier to to maneuver and get around. Uh, so to see Owen Box on this list is, is pretty cool. And I know AJ adding on to Owen Box, you kind of made that statement. I remember that you said he he is a good defensive player, but his stats may not always be in, in the headlines because he's always getting doubled and tripled. Yeah, exactly. and, and we've seen that throughout a couple of games. And actually, he's been a fan favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. And someone commented that uh, Liberty Center as a team, I thought this was pretty impressive, has only allowed 430 rushing yards on the year. That's 47.7 yards per game. And they've only allowed 47 points on the year. That's 5.2 points per game through nine games. And and like this person said here, it's a team effort, but Box is still the anchor on, on that defensive line <laughs> and defensive front. So yeah. I know I know he's another one a lot of people like. Yeah, AJ talked about him earlier in the season, and still, it's I mean, it's nice to see his name on the list. There's nothing way to stir up uh, good following as, as Logan did. I was just reading some of the comments from his poll, and it's. <laughs> So if you, if you want to get some followers, nothing does it better than, than a poll, yeah. I assure you. And I think it's awesome, too, because it gets these kids' yeah, names out there. It's and, great. And truly, because obviously it's it's hard for defense because sometimes defensive stats are harder to get at times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, two, um, I feel like there's that factor on defense where – even though the stats may not be there, you're still make you're still a playmaker. And, and like we kind of right. mentioned with Owen Box, yeah, his stats may not look as good, but I mean, you see him out there and he's just a menace, and he's taking up two, three blocks, yeah. which are allowing for other guys to make yep. plays. That's a huge factor, and that's why I, I wanted to hear from from fans and people to to see what their thoughts were and to get a little bit of better idea of uh, who's their favorite. So. Yeah, as Tony said, you look at this list, like you see a couple of these sophomores on here, and it's just. Wow, these these kids are only going to get better. But but like in the more serious content, we saw a couple of these kids play. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, firsthand, I mean, I guess we we told the story earlier, but earlier in the season. But our first game was at Liberty Center. We got to go down on the sidelines for a little bit. Mark gave us a tour and everything. As we're coming back out, Liberty Center's defensive line was warming up as we walked out and we stood there for probably 10 minutes and you're like looking at some of these kids and you're like, my God, it's a one box. So you're, so me, you know, the mind's turning and like Logan was all conference offensive lineman. So I'm like looking at Logan and I'm looking over here at Owen box. I'm like, my God, this kid is so big. Right. (laughs) So yeah, Owen box is just, just a beast out there. So um, but yeah, the rest of the kids on this list, I mean, nothing against them, but yeah, box is just like, as, as Logan said, valid point, you're getting double and triple teamed at times. So you're not going to put up the stats as you would, you know, as a, as a sophomore or even a junior, but just cause your defense coordinator is that's your game plan is what I'm going to do about box. So yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to take care of him or yeah, else he's right. going to be a pain in your butt yep. the whole game. As we saw firsthand that, yeah. uh, you know, versus the Rams. So. 
And, and we even got to see a couple of these other kids like Reed Leachtein, Ezra Sin, and Joel Walkup uh, playing against Sonora. And they were all very good as well. Yep. But uh, even Austin Kovar, linebacker from Wauseon. But one that really stood out of all those kids was Reed Leachtein. And I, I just felt like his effort on defense was contagious. And he was all over the field making tackles. And he did a really nice job. That's one thing, too, that, that doesn't necessarily always – show up in the stat column is just doing your job and doing exactly what you're, you're coached to do. There's oftentimes, especially in high school, kids want to just go out and do whatever they want because they think they know more than the coach or <laughs> just kind of get a big head. I feel like it's that time in their life where they kind of think they know more than some of their, some of their coaches, but, uh, but he's one that did, did a very excellent job and he kind of stood out to me as well. So I, yeah. I really liked Reed Leachty from you, Antwerp. You mentioned him, Logan. I remember talking about him during the Antwerp game. He, he was always around the football. Um, you know, we you, you, we teach that we try to, tell, try to tell the kids good things happen if you're gonna if you're around the football. Yeah. You know, if a ball squirts out or you know a ball gets tipped, if you're trying to get to the football, good things happen. And it seemed like Reed was always kind of you know, around the. He wasn't making the tackle; he was around the pile. Yeah. So you know, it's something we always teach. Try to teach our kids is you know try to get your butt to the football and find a way to make thing, things happen. And Reed's not one of those three sport kids too. Like he just says, hey, I'm just gonna play basketball or baseball or football like. He does everything. He does it well, quite honestly. So, And one more name on this list that kind of stood out was Holden Barnes, linebacker from Delta. And I was looking at his stats. Not only does he have the tackles, he has got nine sacks on the year too, which, wow. uh, I mean, if you can put pressure on the quarterback at the linebacker position, that's that's very good for, for your, the Delta defense. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, again, all these guys are very good, and I'll be curious to see uh, who we end up deciding for defensive yeah. player of the year. There's yeah, a lot so, of good players out there. So let me ask, uh, what, what's the – what do we look for? Is it number of tackles? Is it number of sacks? Tackles for loss? I mean, what what is what's the criteria? Yeah. Or do I, we have a criteria where we just go, ah, we'll pick this guy? It's so hard for defense <laughs> just because defense is there's so much that goes into it. Uh, I I know we had a hot take earlier in the season when somebody said that so and so was the best defensive player or whatever. It's to me, it's who on that defense the player that makes the biggest impact, not necessarily stat wise, but who is that that player that the the offensive side has to key on? They cannot let him tear things up. That's to me. That's what makes the most most uh, sense for a defensive player of the year. Is who can you not go without? Who can the other team not just ignore? I like that. I like that point a lot because I feel like you hear that the it factor and yeah. like. I feel like if you're 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 the guy, quote unquote, on that defense. I mean that that in itself, like you you know when you play against teams like even these guys on that list that you have to scheme around these guys because they are so talented and and they're disruptive on defense. I feel like that is that's just another component you have to look into something for defensive player of the year as well. Yeah. It's kind of like whose name is always on the opponent's scouting report coming yeah. into yeah. the week. Yeah, yeah. Who's who's the guy at the, on your scout team that's playing? You know, number twenty six. Uh, yeah. You make yeah. sure you go in. This guy's playing. He's he's him. You know so. Yeah, again, um, we'll, we'll continue to take some feedback from from fans and players as well. But, uh, again, uh, I feel like defense is just a little trickier to, to, to decide on. Right. So yeah. stats aren't quite 100%. I mean, coaches try, but yeah. – or spotters, one or the other, but they're, yeah. they're not quite as accurate as offensive stats. But, but uh, I guess visually, I mean, you kind of can figure it out yourself, really. Right. All right, let's go ahead. We'll move on to the next section here. Uh, we'll go ahead. We're going to move into some playoff talk here, so no more hot takes. But we're going to go ahead and briefly discuss uh, how some of the playoffs in each uh, division and region are kind of playing out, especially with uh, Week 10 uh, making or breaking a lot of teams. So 
Um, this will kind of be open form. <laughs> we're not really too scripted, but we'll have a little discussion. Honestly, we could talk all day on this, but we're not. Uh, we'll touch a little bit here and there, but we'll go through each division. So, um, no. I mean, if you, I'm sorry, Logan. No, go ahead. I mean, we don't really have anybody around here, Division One or Two, um, do we? Uh, no, no, I think so the biggest division is Division Three. Three, that, that's that Defiance, defiance right? yeah, Defiance so. and Salina, I guess, is in there. So uh, let's go ahead. We'll start Division 7, Region 26 looking here. And uh, a couple of resources I'll announce. We always like to use Joe Itell. He does a great job. And a recent resource, he's been kind of away for a little bit, but Drew Pastor's Ohio Fantastic 50 does an excellent job. He's a math professor from the College of Wooster, I believe. But this man, literally, I don't know how he does all this. He's got all these statistics that he takes in and does his own um, rankings and whatnot, but he predicts so many games that are correct throughout the year. I think a couple weeks ago, he predicted like 80 plus percent of all the games in the state of Ohio correctly, and they were within like a touchdown scoring margin too. So um, those are the two resources we like to use a lot, and I highly suggest uh, checking them out. Both are, are excellent to use, but we'll be using them to talk about some of these playoff scenarios. So looking at Division 7, Region 26 again, um, teams that we cover, we'll be talking about all those. Montpelier and Hilltop are both eliminated at this point, according to Joe Itell. Um, so looking at this, we got a couple teams still, still available in the hunt. Right now, Antwerp is 3, Heritville is 5, um, looking down the list, Edgerton is 10, North Central is 12, and Eden is 15, Crestview is 17, and Lipsick is 20. Um, so do you guys have any comments on this region here? Um, no, I mean, Antwerp, we, when we talked to Coach Hale a little bit ago, that, you know, they're they're clinched, they're in the top eight, they're, you know, they're in. Um, but like he said, they still have something to play for, because if you stay in the top four and if you win, then you post two playoff games. Yeah. So um, there's obviously something there that's big to play for, so... Um, you know, Ayersville, I mean, they're in. Edgerton has clinched, they're in. Um, you know, Eden, as we did, as we talked a little bit ago, they're kind of got they got to win, win to get in. So, kind of looking at the list of teams that are, you know, solid teams in this, this list here, Antwerp has a pretty good shot at coming out of this region. You know, there's a lot of the teams that are in the top 16 are teams they've already played or have matched up against teams they've played. Uh, you know, like Lima Central Catholic, they haven't played. But, you know, Tenora is that kind of the common enemy there. And Antwerp beat Tenora, Tenora beat uh, Lima Central Catholic. So a lot of these teams kind of overlap a little bit. And I think Antwerp has a good shot at coming out of the region. Uh, to me, I guess what, what is a, Coach Hale, that was a fantastic interview. You kind of love that guy. I've heard three or four interviews with him. I mean, you could talk to that guy all day long. Somebody, you could, somebody you'd really want to play for, you know, as a, as a kid in high school or even junior high coming up for, as a freshman. So, um, great recruiting tool just to listen to Coach Hale interviews. It is. Honestly, it really is. Seriously. But, like, you see, I mean, you look at the computer points, then you have your state rankings, where I think Antwerp, the last official poll was, like, second in the state. Then you look at the computer polls, and then they're third in the region. <laughs> Sometimes you just wonder, like, how does that stuff work? But once you actually look into the formula and stuff, it, I mean, you got to have, like, a, a MIT degree to figure all that out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, – you, you can try. It, it, you can kind of add it up in your head a little bit but yeah give yourself a headache trying to figure figure it all out with your first and second tier points but um yeah there's a couple must wins here eden um like we said talked earlier crestview they're they're on the outside looking in right now and like 
talked about Lipsick. They need like everything to, they got to win number one and then kind of have, you know, kind of a miracle finish here and have everybody lose ahead of them. But um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting region uh, moving forward. North Central is another one I just looked at there. They're, they're, um, they're ranked uh, 12th. And um, I mean, if they lose, they, they could end up on the outside. Uh, yeah, we a, talked about them making the playoffs, and if they would happen to lose again, they could end up um, outside the top 16. And, and that's a close close race there, really. Yeah. And a lot of teams are real close. Something I like on Drew Pastor's Fantastic 50, he actually gives a breakdown of percentages of who the f- most likely first-round opponent is. And I'm looking at this, and right now for Antwerp, with a win against Edgerton, 28% chance of playing Eden first round. Oh, wow. So it's a rematch. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right away. So that would be that'd be an interesting <laughs> first-round matchup right away. So that would be pretty cool to see. Um, again, you can go on on his website and you can check out a lot of uh, likely first round opponents. You could you could spend more time on that website than talking to Coach Hale. Honestly, I did a, I did a Sunday. I just kept clicking and clicking and clicking. He has anything and everything you want to know on there. It's like you it's, just it's keep amazing. going down into a hole. Like you keep looking, oh, well, I want to check out this team and see, well, what are the percentages of that this team plays here with a win? What are the percentages that they play this team with a loss? Like it's, it's all broken down. If you love statistics and you love math and even if you love football, it's such a great resource to, to look oh, at. It's yeah, amazing. I was, I was just looking at it, uh, he picked, he's got North Central picked to finish 13. Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting. He's got Antwerp finished, finishing second in the in the region. So it'll be interesting to see how it all comes out. And, and you know, another prediction uh, with Ayersville, um, most likely first-round opponent with a win. You'll never guess who that is. They'll be facing none other than Edgerton. Oh. <laughs> how, how about that for a first-round playoff? That would be pretty cool. That would be a great he, game to watch. He's given them a 37% chance to play Edgerton first round with a win uh, with, with that Ayersville gets this week. So that would be pretty interesting to see. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, I mean, it's uh, it's always tough to beat a team twice, you know. And, I mean, as we saw last year with Liberty Center and, and Archbold, yeah. I mean, that was, what, three times? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> So and and I think there's still even a possibility that eventually somewhere down the line Liberty Center and Archibald could play again because they're they're in the yeah, same division, the same sure region. Are. So, anyways, that's a breakdown of Division Seven, Region Twenty Six. We'll go ahead. We'll move on down. Let's look at re- Division Six, Region Twenty Two. Hicksville, Paulding, Fairview have been eliminated according to Joe Itell. Um, again, I'm uh, just kind of looking at the the breakdown of the region here. Um, Columbus Grove sits number five. Trying to see who else. Patrick Henry sits at number 13. Wayne Trace at 15. And uh, those are the only teams in our coverage area. Oh, also, Evergreen has been mathematically eliminated, according to Joe Itell as well. Yeah, Wayne Trace uh, looks like they're going to have to have a win to get in. Yeah, right now, Wayne Yeah, Wayne Trace is kind of looking on the outside in, and it might take a lot. And even with the win, um, they, they need to win this week to try to propel them. Um, and that might be a decent matchup against Paulding. Yeah. And we saw yep. Paulding, they can go out and compete. But, again, um, there's a lot of teams actually out of this region uh, in Division Six that have bumped up to Division Five this year. So not saying that this region is necessarily super easy, but it's definitely, I feel like, down from what it was a year ago. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Division Six Region 22? Other, other, like I guess, looking at the win and then, like uh, you, like you said, Wayne traces. Even if the loss, they, they looks like they could sneak in. Um, but 
Yeah, with so many teams, like you said, Logan bumped up to Division Five this year. This this area is a little bit emptier than what it, what normally is. Used to see like the common schools, Sonora, Archibald, and, and whatnot here, but um, yeah, it's. And I'm just looking at Drew Pastor's Fantastic Fifty. He says if they they're most likely in. He that's what he gives for playoff chances. But if they get a win, um, they're looking at 98 percent chance of playing Crestview Ashland. Um, which that would be a tough matchup. Yeah. But if they lose and they sneak in, uh, the 87% chance of playing Kerry, <laughs> which uh, they're the reigning that, the reigning state champs. Yeah. So that's that's pretty tough. <laughs> what do you just flip a coin? Who yeah. do you want to play there? So, regardless. Uh, but still, as a program to make it in, you know, they were just short last year. Yeah. But, again, under new coach and get, getting in the playoffs, that would mean a lot for that program and that school too. Yep. Yeah, they're playing Paulding this week, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I think, too, uh, Patrick Henry, though, if they, they sneak in and you're kind of in that bottom half of the 16 teams, I don't know. I kind of like the way they're playing right now and na- the way Nash Meyer's playing. Yeah. That's that's a scary first-round matchup for whoever Paul or yeah. Patrick Henry gets. So, uh, again, I think there's a lot of teams um, that they can match up well and, and possibly get a first-round uh, win against. Let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next uh, division here. Division 5, Region 18, the gauntlet division we talked about uh, all year long. Uh, looking at some teams we covered, uh, Swanton and Ottawa-Glandorf have been eliminated, according to Joe Itell. Uh, breaking down this region here, Liberty Center is number one. Archbold is six. Tenora is 10. Delta is 15. And that's all the schools we really cover in that division. So, uh, thoughts on this uh, Division Five Region 18 here, guys? Oh, what a nightmare this <laughs> this region is. We we talked about it all season. Region 18 is just a slaughter for anybody that's in it. <laughs> uh, whoever comes out of this one has a, a good shot at getting to state yeah, or winning uh, state, I should say. I mean, I, I just looked at. I'm looking at the top top teams there. I mean, uh, Itel's got it. You know, Liberty Center one. Marengo um, is three there. Coldwater's two. You got Elmwood at four. Eastwood at five. Archibald at six. I mean, all teams we've talked about that are just going to be going to be top five teams there. Top six teams are just rough. Um, going to be great opponents for anybody you have to match up against. But you know, we're looking at um, Drew Pastors. He's got Liberty Center, Eastwood, Elmwood, Coldwater. So he's got a little bit different order um, of what he thinks is going to happen. So, I I think one thing I really noticed from here, and obviously we're Tenora guys, so I had to look at Tenora on, on uh, the Fantastic 50. But most likely first-round playoff opponents with a Tenora win, uh, which they play Hicksville this week, uh, 25% chance Highland Marengo, 25%, 25% chance Oak Harbor, 23% chance Archbold. And I sent these guys this over the weekend. For Tenora to travel to Highland Marengo, I had I didn't know where this was. It's two hours and fifteen minutes away, one way trip. Could you imagine traveling that far for a first round playoff game? It's it's almost to Columbus. I said I don't even understand how this is still in the region eighteen because it is so far away. I would say that that would probably have to be probably the furthest traveled game for probably a round one matchup in the area. Yeah, for yeah, that's. I mean, the the region must block and then all of a sudden drop off or something down there. I don't know how a school yeah from from that from that. But far I, down can. I couldn't imagine being a football player, and I know even for college, 
we would typically leave on Thursday or Friday, go on the bus ride. We would check into a hotel. So we had a day to kind of unwind and kind of relax almost, but to go two hours, 15 minutes, and then get off the bus, try to stretch out, try to get warmed up. Right. That's got to be tough, though. And so. the first two rounds, I believe, were on Friday nights, I believe. So these kids would have a full day of school. And then make it. Well, they'd, have, they, they'd probably have to get out, get out early. That, they would, right, right. But, but still, they still have to get up early. Yeah, and true, true. Go through true. the motions of school. and. But Yeah, but that's, uh, I, I just don't, I mean, I don't know how that worked out, how the state drew their lines. It's Maybe it's one of those, like, election remapping <laughs> things where they just <laughs> kind of scribbled in. Or, Whoops, somebody, <laughs> right. somebody sneezed as they drew the line. And, uh, hey, how did this team end up over here? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but wow, that's just uh, it's unbelievable that they have to travel that far. But I was kind of looking at uh, teams that, you know, in in the region top sixteen that would travel there that would be closer. Uh, uh, I mean, geez, everybody's kind of far away from those guys. I mean, they really are away from everybody else. Maybe Genoa. Um, I'm not real sure where Edison Milan is, is but Fredericktown. I'm not sure where that is. But man, that's just uh they're kind of in a realm of their own, I think. I'd like to know I wanna see who they play. Yeah, I th- I think just that whole region. Um and well, even they, they play against Fredericktown. It was a week one game. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Which I, I would assume that probably has to be closer than uh two hours and fifteen minutes away <laughs> yeah. for for them. So um, Yeah, I I, I I'm curious on, like, how do you decide where to draw? The, like, I would have thought you just take the state of Ohio, you draw a big cross in right. it, and you divide it into four regions like that. <laughs> but this, but looking at Highland Marengo, that's, if you go down Columbus, it's a little east and northeast of Columbus, I right. believe. So, yeah. um, again, that, that's that would be quite a ways to travel. Um, and then I was just also looking on Fantastic 50. Liberty Center's most likely first-round matchup would be Delta, so another uh, conference wow. opponent. So that would be interesting to see. So. It would it'd it'd be, it'd be good to actually see Delta in the playoffs for, I mean, just for – They deserve like, it. You know, like it's like a, a rebooted program where it was prominent five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Went through a little down period and now actually starting to uh, back on the uh, upgrade. So, yeah, it, it would be huge for them to actually qualify this year. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the top. See, you got Liberty Center at 10 and 0, Eastwood at 10 and 0, Elmwood 9 and 1, Coldwater 9 and 1, Archbold 9 and 1, Oak Harbor 9 and 1. I mean, we talked about this region being a buzzsaw. Look at all. I mean, just by records, those teams just, man, oh, man, crazy. Yeah, I, I think, and we talked about too, I think whoever comes out of this region has a very high chance of, of winning it all. So, uh, definitely a quality region, and uh, I'm curious to see how this whole region in general plays out. There should be a lot of good football right. games here. And I w- obviously I was going with if, if everybody wins the way they think they're going to win. So. Right, right. All right, let's go ahead. A couple more divisions and regions here. Um, let's look at Division Four, Region 14. Um, looking at teams we cover here. Uh, Van Wert is sitting at number five right now. Uh, going down the list here, Wasion is at 10. Brian is at 15, Napoleon is at 16, and Napoleon's at 3-6 and six record on the year. So uh, possibility they could they could sneak in. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this region here? First-year coach Swery at Napoleon. Um, it's, yeah. They, I mean, do they get that many points from playing in that they, NLL? About have to. I mean, <laughs> gee whiz. Yeah. Um, 
had played Bowling Green, I believe, this week. Yeah, so, and that's that's a must win. Yeah, I'm looking they, here. Uh, yep. uh, they have a 60% chance now, but they need four and six mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. So this is a big win, and this is, again, one of those make-or-break yep. we- weeks, and it's all in the line of, to get Napoleon in. So You know, I just can't believe. I'm looking at the Drew Pasher's predictions here, and he's got Brian picked it out of it at, at five and five, standing at 17 at five and five. Now, I... I mean, is, it be, is Brian getting their butts kicked because they play everybody that's, you know, in right. NWOL? I mean, but you're looking at you, they, <laughs> Liberty Setters, Wasion, it's um, um, Archbold. I Which, mean, all those will be in the playoffs. Yeah, so. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm like, well, how is Brian getting left out at five and five when their losses are to quality opponents? Yeah. Right? And that's like I'm looking at, too. He's given them a 56% chance now, and he's they're still in the bubble if they're five and five. So, uh, another game that, that they need to win. I'm, I And I would assume if they win this game against Wasion, that would be enough to, to push them in because Wasion being 6-3, uh, and three, I would think that would have to be enough to, to sneak them in. I mean, yeah, just looking at Napoleon, and, uh, they beat Northview, they beat Maumee, and they beat Springfield. I mean, are those three wins at this point enough to say, hey, these guys are – it's all about the points. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those guys must have beat a bunch of really good schools. I'm, I'm a little lost on that one. But anyway. If anybody's interested in that, I think on the, one, of, one of the two sites actually has like a breakdown on how to accumulate the, the tier one and tier two points. And after a while, it's just, I don't really. I, I looked it up, and it, <laughs> it's a lot of work because you have to track what division these yes. schools are in because that's, that's a factor. Yep. Um, and again, it's like the wins of the, the school that you had a win against. Correct. So you have to go back and look at their whole schedule. <laughs> yep. So it's just, again, there's so much. That's why this is all into a uh, computer program to <laughs> yeah. do this all for us. So you don't have to do all the math. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that could shake out pretty good. I still think Van Wert has a pretty good shot at winning some games. And, yeah. you know, other than basically one mistake all year in that Wapakoneta game, I mean, they should have been 9-0 and mm-hmm. probably, again, <laughs> Uh, maybe up to a few more seeds, but they'll most likely get a, a home playoff game, and uh, which is which is huge. Um, and we we talked about it too. And actually, we we're talking about today um, at work the the amount that especially like bigger games that home field advantage has. And we talked about like for example, Ohio State Michigan game last year. Mm-hmm. You know how many false starts Ohio State had at Michigan because you couldn't hear Didn't anything. Hear yep. And and that I mean that serves true for even playoff games. You get a big crowd there and. That's not a lot of these schools aren't used to playing in front of that many people. Or if you get a band that still plays, <laughs> or we experience that, yeah. So uh, that was something that uh, no playing during, the, yeah, no band playing uh, during the funny opposing team's because, offense. Like strolling through, sometimes if you if you stroll through Facebook, like the, like videos pop up, and there was one where an official actually went into the crowd to have the band <laughs> stop playing. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I saw the. I was talking to one of the students about it and they said there was some arguing going on down there between a few different people about we're not playing we are playing we're not and whatever so um uh, was, you know they was, just it was a funny five minutes yeah they were just walking over to get ready for halftime and the band's kind of just beating on the drums and the officials and then were and, they, uh, they stopped playing a couple times offense and they were not supposed to be playing the you know the music while they're you know, while they're playing. So <laughs> they stopped it uh, two or three times, didn't yeah. they? And, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. So hey, you got to uh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> so the 
it was kind of funny, you know, being in the being, being in the box beside the, the Sonora coaches, and they're hollering back and forth with each other on the radio, like, "What's going on? You need to tell them to stop." You know, um, but we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, "Oh, it's the band is playing." Yes. Oh, we're, we're stopped for that. Keystone but cops, them for sure. I guess the rules are you're not allowed to play while the offense is oh, trying man. to call a play. <laughs> <Yeah>. Makes sense. <laughs> but. All right, let's look at the last division and region. So Division Three, Region 10 here, and I believe we only have one team that we cover that's in this region, and that's Defiance. Um, looking right now, Defiance sits at number 11 in the rankings. Um, just looking at what they, they need. Uh, a win would definitely help them out a lot against a very good Wapakoneta team. Um, but right now, uh, Fantastic 50 has given them an already in chance. And looking at first-round opponent. So if they happen to lose this week, uh, which they're playing a very good Wapakoneta team, looking at playing Cloverleaf or at 30% or Mansfield Senior at 28%. So um, both two really good teams. But I don't know. I mean, again, Defiance is like one of those teams. Do you really want to play them first round? Yeah, yeah they just have such a diverse offense, like especially the running game. It's Yeah, I don't think – they're similar to Tenora. Like you're heading into the, the playoffs and you see Defiance on your line and you're, you're kind of like – and if you're a coach, you're going to go take a couple headache pills just because you got to prepare for you know a tough opponent. So, I I would think to I, I think that Coach Cooper's got them ready enough to play. If you can even go out this week against Wapakoneta and put together a good performance mm-hmm. heading into playoffs, I would I would feel pretty good about Defiance, and I would bet money that they win a first round playoff game if if they go out and they compete well yep. this Friday because they're going to ride that momentum and they're going to go into playoffs, and I feel like they're that. They're going to ride that confidence, and uh, that's going to be enough to help get them a win. But I'm excited to see what they do. So you guys have any ever, other thoughts on this? Yeah, I wish uh, Coach Cooper probably wish you could have that Salina game back and just pull out a couple extra, you know, drives in that one. And That might have been enough to yeah, yeah, bump get, them up. How them cool the, would that yeah, have been if Defiance was able to host game. a playoff yep. game? So. Yeah. That was a hot take earlier in the season, by the it way. Was. <laughs> it was. That's true. And yeah, and I remember you giving them some some guff about that. Yeah, I did give them some guff are. about it, and then uh, riding that line. <laughs> and uh, what's uh, what, what do we think is going to happen? Probably not hosting. Yeah. Probably not going to host a playoff game. All right. Well, that concludes our little talk about playoffs and uh, some of the things that could possibly play out. But just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Honestly, we could go on forever and ever, but uh, we need to keep this (laughs) – try to under two hours. Yeah, we're right about the two-hour mark right now. So we still got to do our picks for the week. Yeah, so that's exactly what we're going to move into next. We're going to do our Week 10 game picks. So I'll kick it off here. Looking at the first game, Archbold 8-1 at Patrick Henry 5-4. Um, though Patrick Henry is coming off a huge win over Delta, Nash Meyer just went off that game. I think Archibald's going to be a little too much for Patrick Henry, and uh, Coach Dominic's doing uh, good things. Really good matchup between two head coaches, Coach Inselman from Patrick Henry and Coach Dominic from Archibald. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go Archibald on this one. Yeah, very intriguing matchup. Honestly, it's at Patrick Henry. Um, but, yeah, streaks are playing well. Only have one loss in the season. Uh, going with Archibald. I'm right there with you, Keith uh, and, and Logan. I'm going with Archibald. Same here. Go streaks. And Bryce had Archbold. So Archbold across the board. And again, Bryce cannot pick against uh, oh, yeah, Archbold. Of course, Bryce picks. <laughs> yep. No surprise there. So next game, Liberty Center 9-0 and at Delta 5-4. and um, After Delta's coming off a tough loss to Patrick Henry, and we've seen what Liberty Center has done all year, um, I think Liberty Center is going to roll into town and Delta, and uh, 
they're gonna they're gonna show them who's uh, boss of the NWAL this year. So I'm going Liberty Center. Yep, uh, Liberty Center and Coach Moeller just tuning up for the playoffs, taking the Tigers. Yeah, Liberty Center's got this one. <laughs> I don't think there's even a chance for Delta. So Liberty Center. Yep, I think the Tigers are gonna be fine. And Liberty Center from Bryce too. Next game, Swanton one and eight at Evergreen two and seven. Uh, interesting matchup here. Uh, we've really seen Swanton at, for, at the way the season started off for Swanton. I thought it was going to be a lot worse, but they've kind of showed that they can stick around. And they played Brian tough last week, uh, and and Evergreen too. Um, they're though they're two and seven. They've definitely competed in more games this season. But at the end of the day, being at home at Evergreen, I'm going to go Evergreen in this matchup. Uh, taking Evergreen as well. Kind of went with you on that one with the home field advantage kind of thing. So Evergreen. Yeah, just kind of one of those uh, games between two teams that are just trying to finish the season out. And I think Karch, Coach Karchner is going to get uh, get a third win here to end the season. And Bryce at Evergreen. So Evergreen from all of us. Next game is going to be the NW Sports game of the week. And it's a big one because Brian needs it to help get him into the playoffs. And uh, it's a big one for seeding. Uh, Wasion six and three at Brian five and four, and I think this game's all going to depend on whether Sam Harold from Brian is healthy and if he plays because as a running back, he's been one of the top ones in the area for the last the whole year really. But uh, last week he was out unfortunately, so we we hope that he is healthy and gets to play and yep. we get to see a quality matchup. But I think him still coming off an injury that's going to be enough factor and and Wasion coming off. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to go Wasion this game. Even though Wasion's coming off a loss to Archbold, I think they rebound this week and then they get ready for playoffs. I'm going Wasion. Yeah, this is, this is a tough game. I mean, it's going to be cold Friday night. Wasion's a passing team. You know, that football gets a little hard and, and slick on, on Friday nights when it's about 40 degrees. But, uh, yeah, wow, this is, this is a really good game. I mean, Playoff implications for both. Wasion could host a game, and then Brian needs it to actually qualify, but I'm going with the Indians. I think Brian's got a lot to play for here. Wasion, yeah, they're, they're playing to see if they can get the, the host a game, but Brian's fighting to stay in it. I think they've got a lot to lose here. They're going to be fighting like crazy, so I'm going with Brian. Man, I looked at this, and I, I, I stuck Wasion in there, but the more I'm thinking about this, I, I'm – Thinking about changing my pick to Brian, I just think um, Wasion's kind of offense. We talked about how good they were doing, how good they were doing, and they have really sputtered uh, the last couple of weeks and um, got a lucky touchdown. Um, and then last week they didn't even score an offensive touchdown. Correct? Nope. If I remember right, so I believe they only had eighty something yards of total offense yeah, too, so, or something. So um, I'm switching my pick to Brian. Oh, spicing it up. You literally changed it right now. So not that doesn't happen too many times, yeah. but uh, Tony had enough to change his mind. Yeah. And Bryce had Brian too. So we're pretty split. And it looks like uh, Keith and I are going Wasion in this one. And the rest of you three are all Brian. So be a good matchup. And that's why it's the game of the week. So <laughs> next game Defiance six and three at Wapakoneta eight and one. Uh, we talked about this matchup and if Defiance wins this, I don't know if it would be enough to push him into potential. Uh, yeah. I mean, it says with a win, looking at Joe Itell with a win, possibly 7 to 11 for seeds. Um, so they, they're still somewhat of a chance to, to host a playoff game. But I think after what we've seen out of Wapakoneta, uh, their only loss in the season is actually to Marion Local, believe it or not. And yeah, season opener. Wow. Marion, Marion Local handed it to Wapakoneta, too, which is 
if that tells you anything on how good Marion Local is, and Marion Local is Division Six, so, right? Uh, <laughs> so there's definitely no uh, David Goliath comparison there because I think you've got a, a Goliath, and then you have a, a mega Goliath in right. Marion Local. So, uh, but I'm going to go Wapakoneta, especially being at home. That's a tough place to play at, and Wapakoneta shown that they're. They're truly worthy of winning the WBL, so I'm going Wapakoneta. Yep, taking the Wapak as well. Hoping for a close game, honestly, for from Defiance and, and Coach Cooper, but uh, taking Indians. Yeah, I think uh, Coach Cooper's going to have them fight until the last play, but I think Wapak's going to come come away with it. Yeah, Wapakoneta. I mean, they're, it's just a, they, they knocked off Van Wert to, to put themselves in this position, so they need to finish the deal. And Bryce had Wapakoneta, so Wapakoneta from all of us. Next game uh, should be a pretty good one, I would hope. So Antwerp 9-0 at Edgerton 7-2. Uh, Edgerton's coming off a tough loss to Tenora. Uh, but again, we've, we've talked about a lot. There is truly, I believe, a home field advantage because Edgerton, playing in that valley at times, is, is a tough place to play. The fans sit so close to the field. Uh, I think I think Edgerton, I think they rebound a little bit, but I don't think it's enough to get, over, get past a very good uh, Antwerp Archers team, and uh, we just got off the phone not too long ago with Coach yep. Hale. I think he's going to have those boys ready to go, and I'm going to Antwerp, and uh, they win by at least three touchdowns. Yeah, well, I'm just, just following off what Logan said. Uh, this is actually like a great pre-playoff atmosphere, you know, to kind of get you primed of what your your playoff run is going to be like. Um, taking uh, Antwerp, though, but it, it, it's going to be a great atmosphere there. Yeah, walking into to Edgerton's field there, it, it's – it's a lot like walking into like the big house from Michigan or, or walking into Penn State. You know, playing playing them at home is always tough. Uh, but I, th- I think Antwerp's just, they're doing so well this year. I think they're going to pull it out. Yeah, I think Antwerp will handle this game just fine. And Bryce had Antwerp. Next game, Tenora 6-3 and three at Hicksville 2-7. and seven. Uh, Though Hicksville's coming off a win against Fairview last week, uh, I think Tenora, after what we saw out of their offense and defense last week, I think they're going to come out and uh, I think p- possibly running clock maybe first half. I mean, they looked – Tenora Rams looked very well last week, so I'm going Tenora. Yeah, this is the team you kind of wish you had in week two, as we talked about earlier for Tenora. It's just if you go back, rewind it, and start a week two with the team you have now, and you'd like to see what happens versus Ayersville and Antwerp and, and whatnot. But you can't. and. Can only uh, move forward, but uh, yeah, taking the Rams should be a, a easy win for them. Yep. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Tenora here. Yeah, you bandwagon jumpers. Everyone wants to go to Tenora now. They won a game. I see how it is. Okay. <laughs> when, when we pick against them, it gives them inspiration. Yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. That's what we, that's what we heard earlier, right? Um, I'm picking Tenora, and Bryce had Tenora too. Next game, Napoleon three and six at Bowling Green three and six. Uh, it's a big one, and Napoleon needs this to get in the playoffs, and that would be a huge uh, accomplishment, especially in the first year for Coach Swery. Uh, I'm going Napoleon. They have a lot to play for in this game. I think they're going to come out, um, and this is a must win for Napoleon. I'm going Napoleon in this game. Yeah, big road game, taking the dogs. Yep, got to stick with the, the local team here. So Napoleon. I'm jumping ship. I think I'm going to go with Bowling Green. They're playing at home, and I'm not sure if Napoleon's going to have enough to take him out. And Bryce had Bowling Green, so we're split on that one. Next game, Ayersville 6-3 at Fairview 0-9. I think this one, I don't think it's close. I think Ayersville comes back, and they dominate this game. We saw them take a loss to Wayne Trace last week. I don't think they make that same mistake again this week, so I'm going the Pilots. Yeah, Ayersville and Coach Mickey should have no problems. 
Coach McCord just is a, a learning season for everybody, but start next year is just flushing the start brand new. And uh, But, yeah, Ayersville. Yeah, I think Ayersville comes out with a little bit of vengeance, kind of ticked off after last week. They're going to put up quite a few points against Fairview this week. Go Snoopy and the Pilots. And Bryce had the Pilots as well. Next game, Wayne Trace four and five at Paulding one and eight. Uh, county rivalry here, and uh, definitely should pre- be a pretty good crowd here. Uh, but I'm going Wayne Trace. They're riding high after that win against Ayersville last week. Uh, though Paulding, they play tough, and we saw that firsthand. Yeah. They play aggressive. Uh, it's just a matter of putting it all together. They've got the athletes, but I think Wayne Trace uh, gives it to Paulding. I'm going the Raiders. Yeah, it took the Raiders, but I'm sure Colch Holden is going to he's going to be like, hey, you can't look past Paulding. Exactly. Because, yeah, they're, I, w- I was really impressed by just the – after everything they went through, and, yeah, they're probably one of the hardest-hitting teams we've seen all season was uh, over at Paulding a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with uh, Wayne Trace on this one. Go Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> and Bryce had the Raiders as well. So uh, next game, Van Wert eight and one at Lima Bath zero and nine. Uh, I think this one is just uh, a massacre. I think yeah. Van Wert unleashes, and uh, they're going to win this one pretty big. So yeah, Cougars in a route. This is almost one of those games that Van Wert doesn't necessarily want coming into playoffs because uh, it's it doesn't give you any kind of look coming into the first week of playoffs but it does give you a chance to kind of work on some some things that you may not otherwise try so you know yeah. good good week for van wert here to come out and do some new things so yeah. i take van wert yep cougars resting their starters by halftime probably yeah <laughs> looking at the next game here north central six and three at whiteford michigan eight and oh um again uh, did a little bit of research. Uh, from what I've seen, Whiteford's blown out some some opponents, and uh, I think it's just going to be too much. I know we talked to uh, North Central player last week, and Michigan football is not the same as Ohio football, but I think Whiteford is the real deal. I think they beat North Central, so go on Whiteford. Yep, go on Whiteford too. Yeah, yeah, Whiteford. Yeah, as much as I want to root for North Central, I just don't think they're going to be able to get it done. And Bryce had North Central, so uh, possibly gain a little bit of advantage of North Central wins, so... Next game, Eden five and four at Ottawa Hill seven and one, and this game's going to determine the TAC championship. Um, so we talked to Cohen just not too long ago as well. So uh, big game for them coming up. I think Ottawa Hills is just going to be a little too much. They're very talented. They're seven and one in the season. So uh, I'm going Ottawa Hills on this one. Yeah, it was me and Logan did the Ottawa Hills and Sonora uh, district baseball game. Um, Ottawa Hills is the Green Bears. <laughs> Yeah, green bears. <laughs> green bears. You ever seen a green bear before? I never saw a green bear. <laughs> they were very, very interesting. But yeah, going with the green bears. All right. Yeah, I guess green bears it is. <laughs> okay. Not, not a black bear, not a brown bear, but a green, green. bear. All Which right. bear is best? Green bear. <laughs> Dwight Schrute. <laughs> I picked bear. Ottawa Hills as well. Bryce again. He likes wow. it. He does this on purpose. Trying I swear. To get back in the game. See, I'm not sure. He I'm, is. See, I'm thinking it. I, I want to make sure I don't finish behind Bryce. Maybe I should just pick everybody that Bryce picks. That <laughs> yeah, way, maybe I, I'm guaranteed to stay ahead of him. I think. I think Bryce is really trying to make up some points here. He's desperate, but but I think he he's going strong with the Bombers, and uh, he's the only one that picked Eden this week. Next game, Montpelier two and seven at Hilltop one and eight, and uh, this one I think uh, Montpelier and the locomotives they come out and they take care of business at Hilltop. Yeah, I'm going Montpelier. Yep, a uh, good way to finish the season for Coach Robinson to start for next year, taking uh, Pillier. Yeah, let's, let's go Bombers. Come on. 
Uh, I'm going Eden or Montpelier. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Montpelier. Yeah, Roxy, Montpelier. There, yeah, you got me. You said Bombers. <laughs> got me off the. My bad. No, I'm going with Montpelier. Sorry. Still stuck Locos. And Bryce had the locomotives too. Uh, next game: Crestview four and five at Lipsick three and six. Which this game could get pretty interesting. Uh, two teams we had higher expectations at the beginning of the season, but I've struggled here lately. But I think uh, Lipsick is going to take this one, so I'm going Lipsick. Actually, I'm hoping this the first quarter of the season Crestview that shows up, so I'm taking uh, Crestview. Yeah, I, I want to say Lipsick's going to get this one. I've been kind of pulling for Lipsick all season, but they just haven't been finishing out the, some of these games, so I'm, I'm hoping this one they, they pull out. Yeah, I'm, I've got Lipsick picks, but I've been sitting here thinking about it again. I might throw a change, but I think I'm going to hold my ground here and go Lipsick. And Bryce had Crestview, so we were pretty split on that one. Uh, last 11-man game here, Columbus Grove 7-2 and at Bluffton 5-4. and uh, Though Bluffton's been able to pull out a couple decent wins in the season, I think Columbus Grove is just going to be too much, and uh, they're prepping for our, for playoff play. So I, I think they uh, end up winning this one pretty big. I'm going uh, the Bulldogs. Yep, same here. Coach Schaefer and the Dogs. Uh, Bulldogs. Columbus Grove. And Bryce at Columbus Grove. So Columbus Grove from all of us. Uh, two eight-man games here. Morency, Michigan, 2-6 and six at Holgate, 5-3. and three. Uh, I'm taking Holgate. I think they win big. They're coming after a, a tough loss last week to Takansha, which is a, a fun word to say, but <laughs> I'm going the Tigers in this one. Yep, taking the Tigers. Let's go Holgate. Holgate. And Bryce at Holgate. Last matchup here, Stryker 5-3 and three at St. Mary's Central Catholic, 0-7. Uh, I'm going Stryker, and they win big, especially against uh, a St. Mary's team that hasn't had a win all year. Yep, taking Stryker. Yeah, Stryker's been doing pretty well this year, so Stryker. Stryker as well. And Bryce had Stryker, so Stryker from all of us. Um, well, guys, that concludes our game predictions and the podcast. Uh, closing thoughts going into week 10 here. Going to be a great week of football. I think the weather's actually supposed to be decent Friday night, if I remember right. It's supposed to warm back up a little, just a little bit, so yep. it's not going to be freezing cold. And not like I had to play in yesterday with the rain and sleet <laughs> or snow or whatever it was spat me in the face the whole time. And uh, Coach Ramirez kept using the towel that I'm trying to use to dry the ball off. Kept using it trying to dry his glasses off so he could see what he was doing. Um, but it, it should be a great night for football. And, and, and as we always say when we end the podcast, get out and watch some football this weekend. Yep. It's almost done. Yep. Only got a couple weeks left. Yeah, especially some of these teams that are they're pulling out some incredible seasons this year, like Antwerp and uh, Defiance and teams like that that have struggled over the past couple seasons and are now building a program that's something to be pr- proud of as a community. So yeah, get out and support them. Yeah, especially some of these seniors that uh, playing in their I last home game, that. you yeah. know, that aren't going to make the playoffs. Just get out there and support them this Friday night because that that means the world to, to them and their parents. And, and so if you have a, a hometown game and the seniors playing in their last game, get out there and just, uh, you know, make sure that uh, show your appreciation for everything they've done. I was going to say, I, you took the words right out of my mouth, Keith. I said that this is going to be the last game for a lot of seniors. And seniors, if you're listening, go out there and give it your all. Um, and just go out there and have fun. Last game of your careers for, for a good majority of players. But um, make sure you go out there, give it your all, and, and have fun. Um, and, again, I, I think the percentage of kids that go on to play college football are like, is like 6% or yeah. something. So something crazy like that. So, again, go out there, have fun. Fans, go out and support these kids and support these teams in your community and just have a good time with it. So, like Tony said, weather's supposed to be pretty fair and nice. Actually, I think someone's saying, yeah, towards 70 degrees. So yeah. that's perfect weather, uh, not too hot, not too cold. So. Right. 
don't have to worry about the, the poor weather that Tony was in the other night. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't I don't think there's any precipitation in the forecast. So. I guess, and you know where I was at? Edgerton. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's always bad weather over there. Down in the bowl, it's like you're getting, I don't know, it's like a different climate down when it sinks down that hole. But. What is it like uh, when you're in the, the mountains and stuff, like right over on the other side, there's, yes. there's like a, an effect that it has on the rain. That's what Edgerton has over there. Yeah, but you know, we talked about that facility so many times and how, how great it is. But when I, everyone, whenever I go down there, I mean, even as a coach, as I walked down there yesterday, just kind of was carrying the water jug and trying not to spill water everywhere. But um you know, it really reminds me of if it was at Clemson, it runs down yeah. the hill and yep. touches yep. rock. And, yep. you know, it's just something like that that, um, you know, could be really cool. And I think that's something that Edgerton can probably implement um, something like that as, yeah, a, you know, as kind of a pregame thing. We always talk about getting people amped up, and it would be kind of cool to implement something similar to what Clemson does there. It's going to be kind of neat. Yeah, it's one of those fields that they hope you, you want them to see them upgrade the field but not ever move the field yeah. right? because yeah. it's just a, such a great venue. Absolutely. Yeah, they, could, they could go in there and put turf, but don't elevate it. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. dig, it dig it down deeper, if anything <laughs> yeah. else. I mean, right. But uh, it was funny because we talked about the cars at the end of the field, you know, and they were, yep. you know, because it was raining. Yep. Everybody was out there in their cars yesterday. And, um, the way it was, they, they weren't uh, fair That's weather, awesome. what I call fair weather fans. <laughs> yeah. They were staying in their car. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that concludes the NW Sports Podcast. We'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Three Chord, Bat and Stevens Body Shop, Tenor Rams Live, Jimenez Basketball Academy, Fairchild Family Chiropractic, NWO Basketball, and Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty. We would like to give a special thanks to Jeff Bat for allowing us to use his amazing new facility at Bat and Stevens Body Shop for today's podcast. Again, stay tuned for the next NWO Sports podcast in the near future, and thanks for watching. <laughs>